So what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bridge the Gap. This is the show where we talk to interesting people such as yourselves. We learn your life story and we try to extract some knowledge nuggets from the experience to enhance all of ourselves and thus bridge the gap via, you know, new perspectives and whatnot. My name is Holden Stefan Roy and joining me, I have two people doing this show at the same time. Uh, we have Smoking Ink. And if you guys want to just introduce yourselves individually. This is Krishan Roswell. And this is Hashe Real. Boom. And so we're going to do it a little bit differently because we are going through two people at the same time today. So it's going to be a little back and forth and we're going to get through the experience. And you should know these men a little bit better by the end of this. Um, it's a pleasure to have you all here. We've been, we've been performing a lot over the last little bit. Yep. In my opinion, they are some of the most talented musicians in the hip-hop sphere that we're a part of that you're going to see from the beat making to the singing even just last night i watched this man bust out a guitar and do covers that made most of the white boys on the internet with acoustic guitars look bad i was just getting into my mgk you know <laughs> Yo, he really be doing it though like he really be doing it um he's on some next level <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's 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 getting paid in a yep. way where i don't think anyone ever expected but um with that we have a kind of opening question to get the ball rolling and we're going to kind of bounce back between the two of you. But to get this started right so that it all connects, can you let us know where each of you started your life? Like the youngest you. Fair. I didn't realize this was a hard question. Youngest me. Like were you born in Montreal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in Montreal. Um, I was in the West Island most of my life. DDO area, you know, Bucktown. Bucktown. Um, yeah, man, yeah, man. And then, um, I don't know, I came out to DG for a bit when I met my sister. Fair. We will definitely know. get to that phase, but I mean, we really starting at that young point. Yeah, man. And you? I was, I was born in New Brunswick. And don't say a word. I moved around a lot. Mm. Okay. Um, my, my daddy was a pastor, and we went from, like, church to church and stuff. I was actually adopted, uh. I was born uh, by a mom who uh, died, rest in peace. Right. But uh, real daddy don't know where he went. So my adopted parents are my real parents. But uh, respect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, they they raised me. Uh, I left my house at like 14. That's whatever. Let's call it a mutual agreement. <laughs> but before we get on to that, because like my opening question, because we're all, it's all about the music journey. I'm doing like a slightly redacted version of this because there's two people. We do have a bit of an opening question. I'm going to do a little redacted version, and the short version is most people start their musical journeys in these interviews and when they talk to people from like this adolescent point when they start making music and when they start getting their own identity, because for most people, you know, 10 to 12, that's when you really start mm -hmm. to get your own taste in music. But right. before that, everything around you influenced your music taste. Your parents have music playing, everybody had music playing, the radio, all this type of vibes and stuff would have impacted you. That's why we bring it back to your earliest days. So we Hell know yeah. in your case, you're in the mm. Maritimes. And we know in your case, you're in Montreal. So the real opening question is, if you could bring us back to the youngest version of yourself, you could remember being, and tell us what it sounded like to be you before you had control over the music in your life. Mm, a lot of music around me was like Michael Jackson, Styx, Eagles, Bon Jovi. Uh... 
Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Hendrix, you know, I had a lot of. Was your, your parents were playing it? Yeah, my mom playing that because my father, I didn't get to meet my father, so. Right, right. But yeah. So, so your mom was a big fan of like the rock oh, era, yeah, all that definitely. shit. Definitely, her and my stepdad they would play a lot of that rock stuff a lot of times, and I loved that stuff. Was it like, like the like really entertain, you know, like they're on stage, they're like playing instruments while singing at the same time. That stuff they just would caught my attention. Or no, was it just the just the music they were like playing? Right. You know, like every time uh, Bon Jovi would come on, mom, I'm singing, 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 singing. I'm like, okay, I like this. This is yeah. different. <laughs> was it like a radio thing, or did they have like the records and all that? All of that, you know, like in the car, radio, at home, records, cassette tapes. You know? So music was like always around you. Like we, yeah. you were already interested in it when you were young like from a spectator time. point or were you like a little one running around doing dance routines and singing and a little that? bit of both you know like with my, when michael jackson was out that's when i really got into it more you know because i was a light-skinned kid growing up and i seen him and his complexion i was able to relate to that you know okay yeah, i've heard music. a lot of people talk about michael jackson but nobody ever said that one time before yeah man. yeah man i really related to that still and then all the shit you went through well, we won't get into that but <laughs> <laughs> but like as a kid though like a lot of the michael jackson folk were like the whole family would go do dance routines and like everybody would really exactly and, they, and they mostly is the the videos too they were just so intricate you know it wasn't just like somebody like singing in front of a camera like they're doing full routines you know right. like full dress makeup level. yeah like Max it was level. actually like almost like a movie and music yeah. video at the same time it was quite cool and then you bring that on stage too and I'm like what they're putting on a show that's what really got me as a kid so you, like, you would like see the live concerts and all that stuff like from the tv yeah and i'd like wish i could be like in that position because i could only imagine how it felt to be him and all these people like screaming you know like it was vibes mm. and great music too so so music's always around for me did you ever like try your hand at like dancing and singing like in a more like your own way or was it just kind of that i definitely got into dancing um, most of my life through teenage years, that's what I did before I really found right. hip hop, like rapping and that. I was doing hip hop dance, probably from the age like of like adolescent thing. Yeah, you know, from the age of like I guess nine, all the way to like seventeen, eighteen, even nineteen. How, like, so what? What gets you? Started young. What's what? What oh, yeah. brought you down the path of hip hop dancing? Like, how does that appear? Um. It was my homeboy, actually. It was really funny. It was this guy, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, that hurt, Charlie. And um, he was playing, like, Eminem, DMX. He introduced me to hip-hop because, you know, my mom just wanted to keep me away from that side because she didn't want to see. can't fix the sound, Willie. We tried to fix the sound. It is what it is. We're rolling with it. <laughs> and we just going with it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I kind of fell into hip-hop because I loved it, you know. That was part of my finding my culture, too, you know. Once I found out I was Trinidadian. It was like, okay, let me find the other side of me. Right. So for you, it's like music's around from your parents. Yeah. Or your mom. And, you know, absorbing the culture of the pop era. And then your boy brings you into the hip-hop world. Oh, and yeah. you get a little bit older. And then that leads into the dance side of it all. Exactly. You know, like even seeing it on TV, you know, seeing you guys doing Harlem Shake, all the walks. So, you know, like, <laughs> like so much, so many dances, man. So many. Did you, were you just, like, good at it, so you kept doing it? Because, <laughs> like, like um, I wasn't good at it, so, like, nobody honestly, encouraged me to go. Honestly, I would get dancer, a lot know? of compliments. People said I was good. We did a couple of gigs growing up, you know, like, we performed at Club Dome one time with a reggaeton artist. We did a little choreography for the man um, when he was performing. It was really fun, you know. 
a bunch of stuff, you know, worked with different people and that's a whole story in itself. Like, uh, well, we can never get to that because, you know, it's moving on a bit, but we didn't make it into any of Jesse's younger days, too. So it's like the same question for you. <laughs> I would love to know, like, especially because you days, said huh? it's like uh, your dad was a preacher and you're moving around. So does yeah. that put you into, like, the church grind your whole life? Because, you know, for a, for a whole period of my life, my dad would go through these super Christian phases. Mm. And during those super Christian phases, it would impact everything. Like, all of a sudden, we were holier, and there was different yeah. music being allowed to be listened to. And then a year later, we were back on the normals, and mm. <laughs> bump what you wanted. So I could only imagine, like, like, what that could be like. So, like, did that impact the music that you were exposed to? Honestly, um... My upbringing in the terms of religion really set my views for my future at a certain point. But I was always, like, as a youngster, I was always going out, seeing my friends, seeing, like, what kind of music they're listening to. Uh, my parents mostly played jazz and Christian records. Um, my dad hid it from me for a long time, I think, but he was a huge fan of Bon Jovi. I just never heard him play it. <laughs> like, now I know this. Like, now I figured this shit out, but beforehand, I had no idea. I don't know why. It doesn't really matter, but at the end of the day, I went out and really looked out for what I wanted to listen to because not everything I felt was an attribute to me. I was like, nah, you know, it's good, it's great. Um, but that's not but I wanted to, like, search for something I also wanted to make, and, like, I... Dabbled before, down the path like, of you made it off. So, like when you're younger, like were, did you always want to make music? Or I always wanted to make music. Like, since you were like four, you were yeah. ready to go. Funny thing is, I actually decided I want to make music in a church. I saw this guy drumming. I went behind the drum set, and I was obviously told to not play the drums, but I really didn't care. I was kind of a rebel, and I just started hitting the drum set, man. And I was just like, "Yo, this is the craziest feeling ever!" Like just the sound of something going. Psh! Boom, bam, boom, mm. And I was like, yo, this is it. This is what I want to do. But I always knew that. It was either that or being a criminal that came through my teenage years. But I imagine that at like four or five, you weren't quite at the I'm going to be a criminal phase yet. You know, you know, some people go through it. Some people don't. And like, yo, uh, I respect those who... Uh, that's fair. Who managed like, to go through without that thought. Because church thing? It's not a good thing. I'm not proud of it. But I'm happy it happened because it taught me a lot. But for real, for real, like on the reels, I, my music, my music started with the whole drum set thing. And I was like, from here, like, what can I do? My friends were like listening to rap and this and this and that. I got super into hip hop at a young age and I started writing and I was told don't rap for a lot of different reasons. I have, uh, back in that time to be me. And not knowing my background, not knowing who my real dad was. And I still don't know exactly who my real dad was, but I have a bigger idea on my background now. Right. And I know I have a mixed complexion. It just doesn't always show. Summertime, a little bit more. <laughs> mm. But the fact is, my background is that. And that's probably where all this like rhythm and music comes from. But whether it does or not, the fact is, I wanted to do hip-hop. And people were like, you can't be Eminem. That's what I always got. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you can't be another Eminem. I'm like, Whatever. You know? This is like, when did you decide you wanted to do hip-hop? Like, I must have been in... Like, I decided that when I was, like, young. Like, I liked the beats, you know? Like, mm. I was always about the beats. And, like, I did enjoy guitar, and I enjoyed a lot of different things. But for me, the beats were, like, the thing. Like, the drums, man, always got me. Like, right. I love the rhythms. And so, hip-hop was the way to go, man. Like, I heard <laughs> Wu-Tang. 
And like I heard all sorts of stuff. Like everybody from Wu Tang and their solos. Um, um, that was probably like my basis where it started. Obviously, mm-hmm. I listened to Eminem, Jay Z, Fifty Cent, like all that stuff. Ice mm-hmm. Cube was a huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge influence for me. Like I really, really loved Ice Cube and the way he was just like almost prophetic about the stuff he said. Um, you know, for me, that was just, that was my vibe, but like, people mm. are like, don't do that, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I translated into reggae and then that's where I really started. Right. People mm. were more cool at you doing reggae. Absolutely. It was weird. It was weird, man. I, I'm I, people are funny like I that. I pull off I the dress, I, I pull off like... the whole voice and everything and mm. that's just that, that, that whole wave of dudes like sublime and shit that are like coming at that era that are already yeah. like... Mm blurring that line between everything um but that's wild i i could definitely understand it because I, I was like 12 mm. when eminem popped right so like mm. it wasn't exactly like like i went to wager so it wasn't exactly like it was the most yeah you can come rap with us and play <laughs> especially if you're <laughs> like me which don't get me wrong it was like people told me i could have read my poetry but like it was a joke mm. to people because like come on it's like, you know, like <laughs> I don't necessarily fit the motif of a 2003 rapper mm. in any of the capacity. Like, there mm. isn't really, until, like, a couple of years later, any r- big lanes like that that I could picture in, like, the more mainstream version of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you're basically young. You have a dad who likes Bon Jovi, but otherwise only lets you listen to jazz and uh, Christian music. Which was, is that's what played in the house. They mm. let me listen to whatever I wanted, okay. which I super appreciate. Like looking back on that, because I know there's other, you know, <laughs> there's other entities out there. You know, know like you can't time. listen to this. I wasn't allowed to get listen out of to my music house. With swearing. Mm. At all, at one time, my dad snapped my entire CD collection because oh, of man. some fucks. That's total. Thing. Uh-huh. This is back in the you spent $20, $20 sometimes to get a disc. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> the only time I got my CDs oh, my. destroyed, well, not destroyed, they just got taken back. Honestly, I was like robbing HMV like there was no tomorrow. And like one day, security guard just fucking, he just caught me. And I started running and he tackled me to the ground, bro. And then he found my CD case and he's like, this is from here, this is from here, this is from here. <laughs> he just took it all back. <laughs> I paid the fine. I can talk about it now. Yeah, it's like that, eh? I don't think people... No, I, I mean that literally. But that's like, how much I love music, people bro. People don't realize the statute of, like, limit, there's no real statute of limitation in Canada. So yeah. technically, when you're on my show talking about some petty shit you did when you were younger, in theory, they can use it against you if they really want to. If they really want to. But I paid that fine. Which means you can say whatever. Yeah. Like, at that point, accept the guilt of the claim and blah, blah, blah. And it's a closed oh, case. Oh, man. I didn't That's feel guilty. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I didn't feel guilty. <laughs> if That's I didn't right. have money again. Mm. No, I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that's how much live I love on music. The we cannot unfortunately edit the live parts. <laughs> <laughs> but that is really how much music meant to me, man. I went out and got the music. Because I needed to listen to it. Like I would go crazy if I didn't have music or instruments mm, around me. Facts. And I still do. I remember times where like I had to sell certain instruments, like my electric drum set and stuff like that. And I think I I got depressed. Like, mm. well, something like that. Because <laughs> when it comes to your routine and shit, you know, it's like when you gotta get rid of it. And you're like, fuck, man. Yeah, I felt messed up, bro. Like. Mm. I never do that again especially if you're in a circumstance where you have to sell something that's of value to you 
like a drum set, which mm. um, it's not cheap. So yeah. It's like, mm. And then it's also something where, especially if you like banging shit, it's gonna help you get a love all kinds banging of shit frustration in a healthy mm. way. Yeah, that translates into smashing glass, and that's not good. <laughs> No, that's yeah, really bad. That's really not good. No, baseball bats. Oh, man, yeah, he's such. It's uh, super not the same. Uh, uh, Walking in the door. Uh, you, just, you pull out a you pull out a bag of peppers <laughs> before. Like that's crazy. Yo, that's wild, bro. Oh my shit, right? That's crazy. Like I, you're I, ready. Well, it's because like so I. I I found it more time efficient <laughs> to um. I found it way more time efficient to basically uh, roll like a 14s at one mm. shot than to roll a 14s individual. Mm. He's just pulling up shot more glass. cups. Five, five shot glasses. So, fair. The reason be, because I know it's your favorite thing in the world. I just bought oh this. My fucking <laughs> I just bought this <laughs> fancy jar of dill pickles. Dill garlic pickles. Let me tell you the best shot I've ever had. It's called the pickle bag. Like I know, I know you love pickles. Like deep down inside somewhere, you're just not admitting it. Just I do not like it. You want to try a pickle shot? I do not want a pickle you do it? shot. Nah. All right. So I'll leave the last shot glass oh, in my pocket. But. Man. <laughs> oh my god. This motherfucker. Here you go. Yeah, I cracked. I didn't realize like that. I have to pour my last. Yeah. What the fuck is this? I bought some crown. You know. That's 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 lit. It's very courteous of you. Yeah. yeah. He's like, if you don't want pickles, I got crown. Yeah, <laughs> I got crown. I got crown. That's fair. Yeah, this is uh, this is a a real thing that happens in my life. If people don't know, like it's uh, it's escalating to like more custom videos and stuff. Um, super. Oh, you don't even know, man. Some of my boys, like, he just sent me, like, this crazy video. I got to send it to you. But he really, he really thinks you love pickles. That's right. People can think. That's the beauty of it all. Because it's like, if you don't know, then you, it tell, it's like, it's one of those things where, based on your understanding of the pickle situation, it lets me know how much of my life you're aware of. It's such an interesting metric. Yo, Get ass. I was like, it's I, always so hard we had some pickles in the fridge because, well, I'm really? not a huge. This guy just spilled pickle juice on his pants. I'm cool with that. Fair. You gonna smell like pickles after? Oh, it's running. Oh, it's running. Yeah, Bonnie is pro pickles, really? so she she. I'm really about this part. I didn't think about this. I really didn't think about this. I part. don't know how we're doing the shots, but all right, we can clean He's it up after. It all over we can live with this shit. I guess I'm getting wet. Guess so. Right. This is actually happening, <laughs> folks. This is not scripted. This I've come is to terms oh, with this. Bro. All right, here we go. Uh, no, what? what? Yeah, yeah, this is this is called pickle bat. So you take. Are you ready to drink the pickle juice? Yeah. this is like. This is now it's easier to pour because like, I'm a fan of pickles, but like, I don't know. That's a lot of fucking. That's why that man. third design of the two pickles is for guys like uh, Sean over here, who basically. Isn't fully committed to the pickle like a Jesse. Cheers, boys. I don't know. I'm just cheers. I'm picky about pickle. What the fuck are we supposed to do first? So crown first, pickle and cheese. Son of a gun. Tastes like a hamburger. I don't know. It's actually not lying. Yeah, yeah it tastes, tastes like a hamburger. Oh, fuck. Tastes like a hamburger. Like a cheeseburger, like McDonald's. Yeah, like I'd be getting mine with no pickles. That's actually fucked so. up. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck did I just go through? Uh, well, crazy, that, right? that was a moment. That was a, that was the first pickleback shot you've ever done? Yeah. Lit. 
Um, <laughs> that was crazy though, right? Like I'm cool with other people liking pickles. Like for me, it's like mm-hmm. everyone can appreciate them. But yeah. Well, for me, it was because of my stepfather. You know, it's, he he's Jewish, so his father makes his own dill pickles. So I'd get so many pickles, and man knows how to make dill pickles, mm. bro. bro. And I'd eat like jars of that stuff. Uh, you think, like uh, that's for real? Uh, uh, I'm being serious. It's like, so, like when you were young, there was just like homemade pickles up in the crib. And... Yeah, man. His father was a caterer, so like he did a lot of catering for a lot of big movie sets out here in Montreal and stuff. I mess with that. That's yeah. fair. That's actually really hard. And like to know that like he made his own pickles that were so fire that he's catering to famous Bro, people geez. and shit. That's lit. Like you can't have bad pickles is what no. I'm saying. That's it. You know, that's why I said I'm picky. That's why I was worried. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that brand. Like... <laughs> Willie says he's done uh, picklebacks a bunch in Cornwall days with JV Entertainment. Yo, oh, that's fuck. what's up, man. <laughs> I think it's JV. Um, but yeah. So what about you? When did you? What Actually, but. Uh, I'm going to ask you both kind of the same question, but we'll let Sean answer first because, you know, Jesse just had a minute there. (laughs) Somewhere around, you know, that adolescent period, usually there's like a first song you hear. Mm. And that first song is the one where, like, you know something's different and this is like your new jam and, like, music kind of changes for you. Like, do you remember that moment in your life? There's been a couple because there's a couple artists that really changed the industry for me. Um, one that stood out the most, though, I would say, is DMX. Yes, right. Um, Dr. Dre. Right. I really liked because of the production. So, like, when you were young, you were already attracted to production? Yeah, yeah. Beats was the thing. Like, I'd be in the shower, and I'd just be, like, beatboxing or whatever was come humming in my head all the time. I had, like, melodies in my head, you know? So it isn't even about the rhymes. You're like a dancer, beatboxer. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really like love the whole the whole culture of it, you know, like just feeling the energy from the music. It's like I feel like every beat has a soul because it has a story to be told. Right. right. You know what I mean? And everyone has their own story when they hear that beat. So it's like it's different. It's different. So you're like young, absorbing it all like that. And how are you getting new music? I know how Jesse was getting his music collection. But how me, it was through friends. I had friends <laughs> sneak me CDs. My mom would find the CDs sometimes. Be like, you can't listen to like Missy Elliott. <laughs> she mm. listened to Missy Elliott. She's like, oh, yeah, I like this song. And then she would listen to like the context. And she's like, oh, um, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, and at this time I was going through a lot in school, you know, a lot of things I don't want to talk about. That's fair. But, uh, <laughs> not, not school health can be heavy. Things, you know, got in trouble, fighting racism type shit. So, like, yeah. when 50 Cent came out, it was a rap for me. Like, I gravitated to that and and, and um, G-Unit and, like, like, like Dipset. In grade 8 or so when that Yeah, time. exactly. You know, like, Dipset was my shit, man. Like, Dipset was great. Uncasa, yeah, freaking Joel Santana, like, yeah, even even Cameron, I fucked with a couple of stuff. Same thing, Jim Jones, you know. But like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was a different time for me, you know. I was going through shit, finding out, finding out a lot about life, you know, like coming to grips to knowing that my father has passed and I won't get to meet him type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and then finding out things at a certain age like when i turned 18 and found out i had a sister and i didn't know all this time so that's just crazy yeah that is like i know natasha like touched on it on her version of this but Mm -hmm. like 
yeah how did how did that happen if you want to talk about it at all? um basically just i was clashing in with life you know i was going through shit i was going in and out of like, gang problems you know a lot of fucked up shit <laughs> uh, arguing with my mom threatening to throw me into foster care a couple of times you know which i understand dealing with what you she was dealing with wasn't easy you know you, you got a kid who's rebelling he's putting his life at risk you know going through a lot of crazy shit you know so uh, yeah yeah and we just blew up one day and i, I just turned around like i want to know everything like no more holding back and she just dropped that bomb i was like okay numbers <laughs> like this ends now i need to talk to the other side of the family right and that's when it all went down i remember calling my granny and being like yeah it's sean she's like what she tripped, revelation right she tripped you know yeah. my sister wasn't home at that time and uh my granny said okay i won't tell her call back at this time as soon as she get old I'm like okay i called and that's when my sister's like hey i'm like what's up she's like who's this makes your brother She's like, what? Like, it's your brother. <laughs> She's like, no. And then we just clicked from then. That's wild. So, like, your yeah. entire, like, non-adult life completely, you know, like, the childhood. when you like, 18 years. Like, right? You'd be bonding with your sibling. And then you only link up as adults. And, with, like, in fact, they also are so tight today is incredible things, mm -hmm. right? Oh, for like, sure. It's it's like a movie, you know. Like that. It feels like a movie where you've seen that movie go in all the directions. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. And then, like, when I got more pictures and information about my father, and then when I first met my granny, she almost had a heart attack because I walked in the room, and she's like, whoa, it's like a twin of your father. So that just tripped out everybody. So it's like I really do this music thing and be like a second chance for him type thing too, you know, and help people out. Ah, that's dope. Mm. So, so yeah, Jesse, do you remember your uh, first song that like captivated you? My first song captivated me. Cash rules everything around me, baby. Mm. <laughs> word. For real, for real. Like that was that was the one. So that was the one. And then I found all these other people. Then you know Eminem was blown up at the same time. There's a lot of Eminem songs. Mm. <laughs> that was, that one thing my daddy's crazy yeah I, my dad's gone crazy song. yeah mm. <laughs> i love that song when i was a kid yeah. i was like oh that's cool he like made some weird stuff oh well, yeah i mean it was different like yeah. people think now like yeah. yeah i think i had a cd at one point that was just 167 m, &M songs mm. that's back, crazy back when you had those mp3 discs not yeah. quite MP3 players they were still CDs, but you could load MP3 files onto them. The little disc opens up and you put a little disc. That's insane. The, like at oh, that yeah, point, sure. though, I think M Show was already out. Maybe even yeah, Encore. He's like what, twelve out? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, albums, Encore yeah. was out at that point, and then there was all at that. Um, once the Napster era hit, all the mm. mixtape shit kind of mm. like floated uh, around. So if you like, a lot of people, I think, don't realize how much music their favorite artists produced that was that b-side quality that people don't release now but they Facts. did back in mm. the day yeah and it would exist on physical discs that like mm. you had to cop in person and most of that shit never yeah. hit the internet preach true so like yeah eminem i remember yeah. copying this disc on ebay one time and it was just hidden eminem gems mm. and that's it it was just that literally i bought a mixtape that somebody had made a mixtape eminem joints mm. <laughs> crazy it's wild
Mm. Oh, that's tough. That's too, man. This thing, so many artists I always start forgetting about people and stuff. I'm like, there's so many artists influenced me throughout the years. It's true, though. That's one of the things, like, I feel like it's like that for a lot of artists that really get into it, too. Like, there wasn't just one person. Like, I could probably say that, like, Cream was, like, the first, like, song song. Yeah. But at that same time, I was listening to, like, so many other songs. Like, yo, like, Hood Mentality, which came a little bit later. But mm. like, oh, it just, you know, Ice Cube, man. Ice Cube for sure, but that's like all day, you know, Ludacris. Ludacris. Oh my god, I've been listening to that a lot recently. That's actually one of the one of the first songs too. Ludacris. Like, oh my god. Ludacris, Act the Fool, man. That track, bro. You played it at the bar yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing. Oh man, that's like my childhood right there. That's my childhood. That's 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 before I went into my whole reggae phase and. After that, I started getting into, like, some rock, too, because I was like, yo, if I'm going to, like, get into reggae, oh, I'm going to get into, like, rock, too. And, like, I was like, facts. Billy Talent. What's up, Linda? You right. know, um, Good Charlotte. Right. Uh, yo, uh, I found Biscuit, Sum 41. Like, Limp Biscuit was nuts, but I listened to Limp Biscuit when I was listening to hip-hop corn. stuff. And corn. <laughs> I, anything that had to do with hip-hop in any kind of way, I listened to as a child. I think mm. that is one of the things we try to do, too. We try to, like, fuse everything with hip-hop. Cause yeah. like that's beautiful, you know what I mean? It's like that new metal era, yeah, big yeah. fusion. We're like, yo, here's the big thing fusion. about new metal to people. If you are this one age group of our age group, that's for my mom. It was like one of the <laughs> littest fucking experiences, and everyone older and younger than us pretty much didn't like it till Travis Barker decided to bring it back like mm. three years ago. That like, guy's legend though, still. He is. But Legend Were you playing any <laughs> instruments at that point, or were you, you, you tried and then you moved? Like you said, you tried a bit and so, you were just singing at that point. So how it worked for me is I tried writing raps, this, this, and that, and like I was bought a guitar because my talent was recognized by my parents. They're like, "Yeah, like this kid loves music. I'm gonna buy him a guitar." So I bought me a guitar and I played it, wrote some songs, whatever, this and that. But I really. You know, like, I was still on, like, I want to do, I want to write raps. <laughs> you know, like, I want to write rap. And then, like, eventually it phased out. I, by then, I was already on my own. Like, you by the time I got my first reggae band, yeah, yeah like, 14. By the time I got my first reggae band and I started, like, hitting stages, I was in a reggae band when I hit stages. And I was, like, 14 already. Mm. But, like, that entire time was a transition for me. So, like, starting to listen to reggae, ska, rock, punk, like... I I also realized at one point that I wanted to diversify myself and listen to everything. I listened to opera, dude. Hmm. Like, I'm not even shitting. Like, I listened to opera. Like, I listened to pretty much everything I could get my hands on, good or bad. And I made my judgment from there. But Correct. I wanted to find out everything there was so that I didn't know this, but now I know this. When I come back to hip-hop, now... I have this whole knowledge mm -hmm. and not only that, but I've been on stage in a reggae band in rock bands. I did a metal jazz band. Bro. And you're singing in all of these bands. I sang and mm -hmm. in the uh, reggae band, I was playing guitar. Cause you're like jumping through a whole lot of yeah. things that probably were like a lot of, cause who the fuck is really out there leaving home at 14, <laughs> fronting mm -hmm. out fucking reggae bands in yeah. like, what the mid 2000s 
It was yeah. It must have been like two thousand five, two thousand six. I, I was like, so. like you gotta yeah. like it, like maybe if it was like ninety four, this is a more common story. It's, <laughs> it's not really the era to me where this was the norm of what was happening. Because usually yeah. you'd rebel and do other things at this point in life, mm-hmm. not start a reggae band. Which... Y'all, that was a crazy time <laughs> in my life though. Like that reggae band really set a precedent. Like mm. it set a bar. Like I was like, I can't. Like, we got... The reggae band got so big so fast. Mm. And by big, like, you know, we weren't worldwide or anything, but, like, we were known in Montreal. Right. Mm. What was the band? It was called The Five Piece. The Five Piece. But The Five, Five, Piece, Piece. Mm. But, you know, we all smoke weed, so... Right, right. right. <laughs> the Five Piece, you know what I'm saying? I understand, I understand. And, like, that got big real quick. And, like, we were playing in colleges. We were playing... We started playing the um, the days of the city, like Beaconsfield Day, Kirkland Day. We started playing mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, like, we didn't think we'd get on that because we're called the freaking five-piece. Like, no one's going to want the five-piece at Beaconsfield Day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hell yeah. yeah, man. They were like, yeah, man. You I you play care. what? Reggae? All right, bet. I bet the people who booked you did not get the joke. Probably not. No. They just saw the word peace. Oh, <laughs> they're, like, they're nice boys. No. But then you were a reggae band. So, like, I don't know. This and that. Did you make appropriate family-friendly music? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Most of our topic was anti-war. Uh, there was a few, you know, obviously weed songs, but most of it was, like, really about freedom. Like, when I looked at reggae and I studied that shit deep down, the whole weed part is tied into spirituality, which is tied into freedom. Right. None of it is there to be drugged up and high and, like, forget about life. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I hear you. It's to get into a different position to not be thinking about life the way you are. Mm. Altered state of reality is to, if I'm not mistaken, the idea is also to connect with God in a more Absolutely. close and intimate way. Absolutely. Where I'm not going to pretend with the amount of weed I smoke that happens no more, but I certainly <laughs> remember those days. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Mm. 100%. Oh, that's lit, though. So you guys were like really... But I think what's really key is that like you guys, you didn't just make the band. You basically geeked the fuck out, studied the shit out of the culture and came into it with an understanding of what the essence of it's supposed to be. So when you got presented yeah. to the world, the real heads were like, oh, I'll fuck with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, Dining Rebel and the KGB, now, nowadays they're going everywhere. And we had the honor to, like, share a stage with them and the skinnies and, like, some crazy people, man. Like, This is all when you're a minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, 15. That's crazy. 16. Bro, when I was 15, I was writing soppy love poetry and shit. That's good too, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, I was not. I think I, I think I can remember my performing was doing some fucking lip sync performance at cadets and shit. Like it was that's what my. Yeah. No you were performing at like. I just try to give you like a, a context for how incredible that is, right? Like, you're like 14, 15 years old in Montreal in a reggae band performing with names, getting known. Mm. Like this is not the shit that people normally do. <laughs> I was fine as hell though. I believe that. <laughs> Especially at that age. That sounds like a crazy sure. time to be able to get reckless and know you can always grow up one day if you choose to. Absolutely. <laughs> that was definitely on my mind at some point <laughs> throughout that process. Did you guys like tour? Or was no. it like, no, just all it was very local, very local. And you know, we went we went through like this jazz metal band. We thought of touring stuff always falls apart, I find, like with a lot of people. Like I'm like I know that I'm blessed beyond measure to have 
been in this like i met him when i like moved to montreal we didn't know this thing was going to be a thing like, 10 years later mm. when did you move to montreal i was 14 13 and a half so it's when you dipped out you came to montreal from like the maritime areas no we moved to montreal first and then like everything made a huge three 180 sorry like my dad went from like preaching to like being a real estate agent <laughs> i mean that's pretty cool man i was proud of him uh, a lot of cool it's stuff. Like they're, they're kind of parallel skills. Yeah, I I learned a lot from everything that happened, and mm. but there is just you know like <laughs> to be honest, like it was all about like girlfriends and girls and stuff, and like like I said, let's call it a mutual agreement. I decided along with my parents that I was going to leave the house, mm. so I left, <laughs> and uh, you know I went on my venture, and uh, it was crazy. There's a lot of other stuff involved. Um, I really did some crazy stuff, but it was like <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, facts. yeah. It's been like, yeah, it's been like, just out of the context, years, right? Cause like, I mean, to me, you guys are like these figures that appeared on Facebook one day in the midst of all the other people that appear on Facebook today. Once your mutual friends hit yeah. a certain number of the Montreal English old man hip hop scene, as I call it. <laughs> yeah. That algorithm. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> so, algorithm. But, like, so, like, your guys' like lives and your backstory and your history, right? Like, I don't think people really know how accomplished you are. Like, I can see you perform on stage and be like, oh, say word. He's at, like, a level that's different. But, like, nobody knows what that means unless you're, gonna, you know, like, I don't know if there's, like, all these other interviews where you break it down in all sorts of detail and shit. But that's why this is super interesting to me because, like, damn, dude, 14 years ago, that whole teenage run. Yeah, you know, none of us was really doing that, and I know because I talked to most of a lot of us. Not <laughs> so some people were. Some people yeah. really do have these incredible stories where they did mm. it, but like it's rare to be honest. Most mm. people's lives are more like I was average in teenagers, and then as an adult, I took shit more seriously. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you were dancing and all this other shit too, right? During that phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going through some shit. I was going through more like a little bit more street shit. Yeah, it was right time I was. I was down my worst, actually. I was homeless and shit, doing my thing, really getting deep into some shit. <laughs> right. And then I came across this little rebel over here. <laughs> and I was like, yo, who is this kid? And then the music is what really connected us. I kept telling him, like, yo, bro. Yo, he managed songs. our band yeah. for a fat minute. Yeah. Like that same. Like we, like we stopped talking for a while because we had to, like, I got really friggin' sick, so I went home, got better. He uh-huh. actually moved. I think he moved to California at that point. I had been, I worked in California. All right. So while you're you're doing the band thing, you become the manager of that same band. Not that one. Okay. Uh, so there's like band. a good like. There's a good like. Four bands. Just trying to understand the <laughs> yeah. timeline here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had split. We had split uh, ways just because he had to get going. He was going through some shit, and he wanted to get going. I had to go through some, you know, life. So you guys cranked <laughs> up while you were in the reggae band, like met each other, or was it after the reggae? Band? After the reggae exactly band. Reggae band yeah. Okay, okay, so right you did the reggae, reggae band thing, and what what were you doing in the teenagers? Were you like involved in music at that point? I was involved in music, <sighs> hustling. Doing a whole bunch of different shit. Fair. That that time was fucked. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> the only way to explain of, it. Of that. Um, like, were you involved in like dance competitions, making beats? I like, did do stuff like that. It was a thing called Street Heat at uh, Dawson. 
they used to do that. I had done um, a crump competition. I won that. That's sick. Um, That's when was that? Fuck, on the street. Was that 2007 or 2009? All right, so it was late 2000 era. Yeah. Back in the day. It was back in the day. <laughs> you know, like, different people were on Dawson Student Union, you know? Fair enough. <laughs> so things were able to happen. It was a lot more like. This is for the people, you know. Wait, wait, you can't do hip hop competitions at Dawson no more? I don't know about all that, but like after what happened at Dawson, it kind of like oh, right, changed right. a lot. Right. Know? The whole thing happened yeah, at Dawson. Right? I was almost there that day, so like I got lucky. We, Yo, we Bonnie were, was there. We no, were, wait. um, that's fucked yeah, up. Because like we're all, like, I was at Abbott when that day. I was like, so like we're all that age and mm -hmm. shit. I like, I lived with a dude who was in the atrium. In case y'all didn't know, Google. The Dawson situation of what 2007 or 8 that was wild a bunch yeah. of pew 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 yeah uh, without yeah, saying so. it directly that yeah, happened yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was a, it was a shock for Montreal it wasn't Montreal. the Gucci like, well, it was not no that one expected weird, that cause like we were, I remember sitting in like the other school like oh shit is it gonna happen here yeah, also Montreal like, dark times for college students for real right? <laughs> was, those were times where it was rough I mean like yo we really didn't have like social social media like that when growing up you know like, like it was msn yeah. messenger and stuff yo, but like messenger. Yo. <laughs> shout out to msn messenger right where like, the motherfuckers go and, and yeah. that was like the start of before that like when i was younger man i had to actually go to people's house mm. ring call the fucking house, doorbell man call the number be like yo, yeah yeah so so's not here right now he's over by the park or he's over by there so okay okay i remember when we used to have a house phone you have to be like, a, you you know, to be like an investigator days. to find your friends like, it was crazy yeah, it was a different era like I, yeah. to, and then you had to memorize motherfuckers phone numbers right. Absolutely. now you can just open you up one app and you can see where they are exactly yeah <laughs> nice. one app we used to have 10 programmable numbers in my house phone we had like a high class phone mm. i'm saying <laughs> i don't think we had no programmable numbers we had that like I don't, I don't think it was like the standard one that people had like we had like our own phones because mm. like that used to be a way to flex too like because yeah. yeah. you could get those like personality phones that were like either weird shapes or like cool designs and shit mm. kind of like having a cell phone except you were like it's kind of like how myspace lets you have personality mm. and the modern cell phone markets like facebook where it's like fuck you this is what it is <laughs> oh man myspace high MySpace. five oh, high five nobody talks about high five no more Pouchon. That was the one. That was the one from show and I found out it was over. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's the show. French version of all of that. That's Yo, so it fun. Like, and it's like you like rate on like you rate people and stuff and like you chat. Nice. Yeah, it was a, it was different. It was different. It was a lot of French people. <laughs> that is the first I've literally ever heard of that. I haven't heard of it either, but now I'm, like, I'm happy to learn this. I want to go check it out now when I get home. Like, what was Pouchon? Oh, like? uh, yo, man, Pouchon. How we spell that? Oh. P-O-U-C-H-O-N, I think. Because <laughs> I think Pouchon is like a, a word that means hot or something. or that something. I don't know what it meant. So One of my French friends tried to break it down. Facebook was supposed to be the hot or not shit, and it yeah. just was that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like mostly, you know, Montreal stuff, you know. Like some people from France, too, would be on there. Like That's wild. Yeah, I mean, I knew I was on Facebook since, like, Abbott days, but, mm. like, and then maybe MySpace a little bit. Like, I missed the MySpace, like, the really good MySpace days because, like, I didn't have a band or nothing. So, like, mm. no, I didn't, no, it was, I didn't get the internet until I was 17. Like, did you guys have the internet when you were younger? 
Yeah, it was like just coming. Um, it was just coming still. Like eventually, yeah. Like when I was like six, there's no such thing in my I was house. Like outside. I heard of it, but I wasn't allowed to use it. And it was like DSL connection. Like you have oh, to yeah, like, plug yeah, it yeah. into the phone. If you use the internet, you can't use the phone for yeah. like five minutes. We had that, and like, but that was in the living room, so it was like your mom's right yeah. there. It's not. Uh, the same my mom thing. was always like, "Get the fuck out. Go outside. Go do something." Same. <laughs> yeah, man. Me was all about outdoors. For yeah. a big right around BMX, but that's why I went out and figured out music too. Like, Facts. all my friends had CD players, like Walkmans and stuff. That's a fact. That what yo you, people yeah, used to walk around with their CD wallets. Yeah, yeah. you said yeah. you to make your own mixes. Too. You just like ready to be playing. You fucking record that shit real quick. Hmm. That's a fact. Yo, music used to be like honestly, like I, if I'm thinking back to like teenage years and shit, like that is how you would find your click. It's yeah. like, yo, what what band do you like? And then oh, it was more social back then. Yeah. Now it's like you can walk around with your earbuds. You can be jamming with like anyone, which I, is cool at the same time because like mm. I'm a strong believer in the beauty of uniqueness. Mm. But back in the day, it wasn't wasn't exactly different. like that, man. Like different. you either like hang out with the people that listen to the same music, or like you got shot on for hanging out with them. They might like you, but they shit on you for whatever the fuck you listen to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even to that end, like. I think YouTube changed the game because, mm-hmm. like, uh, people no longer possessed music and all of a sudden everyone had Shut anything. Up. And then weirdo songs came. Like, I don't think, oh, if you remember, like, the what shoes. Did say? That song's hot. That. That's my favorite. I, honestly, I listened to that song unironically I, for a long time. I love that song. Yo. I used, to be able, I used to know it. Like, I know it seems like a weird song to memorize, but, like, it was worth it. What is that even labeled? So, like, EDM pop was I would, I would put that as an EDM pop song but in their defense it was like basically like a Saturday Night Live goof song that Americans just ate up so oh, they were like what? and the visuals helped too you know yeah it was pretty dope um, so basically then you said you got into like other bands as time went on yeah and like how, so how does so you leave the reggae how does the, the reggae band you said it stops working at a certain point and then like what comes after that after the reggae band i uh, uh actually i just thought about that there's like this this band that we call the tragedy of a dying squirrel and Did like you really call it about that yeah absolutely. <laughs> and like yo the like our like emblem was like a squirrel like 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 this with like a needle and like it was pretty funny. It was, it was a different time. It was really different. Yeah, time and like that was different. just like what, what weirdest, sound was that? Yo, honestly, it was the weirdest. It was just like sad rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like sad rock. It was funny, but like it was sad, funny rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we guys like we recording? put jokes in our songs. Now nah, we didn't record barely anything. Like we recorded stuff on our phone, but it sounded like trash. But we did a lot of shows. Like we did a what's it called? It was Supernova. It was like this thing, and they brought you around in a bunch of venues, and um, you didn't have to pay anything for it. You sign up to like Reverb Nation, and they put on. you on this supernova no, thing. You know? back to Reverb Nation. Yeah. Man. Did Jeez. we just hear about a value, a real value of Reverb Nation? Like, yeah, man. Really a thing. Yeah, dude. I've never heard. Yo, in my whole life, I've never heard of a person say. I used a Reverb Nation promo and it benefited me. It actually worked out, man. It was 100% free. I didn't pay for That's nothing. Brutal. I didn't have money to pay for nothing back then. No disrespect to Reverb Nation. It's just what they <laughs> are today. No, I feel you. 
I don't know where they're at these days, but if you log into mm. Reverberation right now, you'll go to the top ten of the charts just so that you feel good, and yeah. then you'll get That's... solicited pretty much immediately oh, after Reverberation to do some shit, that... and then oh it's gonna God. slowly drop you down. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's one of them sites now. Like no, I, bueno. I would love to do an experiment where we all log into Reverberation at the same time and like share what the chart looks like. I think like. that would be hilarious. Because <laughs> anyway. But I love to Reverb Nation. They were the f- first <sighs> music platform I hosted music. I was Reverb Nation and SoundCloud when I started. Uh, yeah, SoundCloud popped up a while after that. Mm, yeah. that, that. That piff. That piff. I remember I dropped two yeah. instrumental mixtapes on there. Mm, that uh, piff. That was times when I was around B&G and stuff. Wait, when did you get into instrumental making? Like, how did that like start? Like, as a, like, Probably around when I was, like, 23. Um, I started getting more into music, and I was like still going through some shit. And I met some people, and uh, this guy meticulous actually showed Straight me his up. program. Reason, you know, you come by me, and we worked on a few things. And I watched him do his thing, and I started playing with that program. That's when it started. I got really hooked into it. I was like, "Yo, this is fun." Let's be on it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. It's where it became like an obsession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what it becomes. So, so yeah, there's like tons of beats from back in the day. I got like thousands. So you would just sit there and make beats? That's what it was. That was my PlayStation. You know, like I love playing video games, but then that became the new video game. Just like, I take a small break, maybe play video games for like 45 minutes. I'm like, yo, I got another B idea. Let me try something. Just play on the keys a bit. And like this is like before YouTube tutorials and all that, or did you have like this was before YouTube tutorials? Matik um, showed me a couple of things, and he's like, "Just figure it out, feel the program." And I've always been someone who learned that way. Mm. I'd get a program, and then I just start plucking around, seeing what goes on there, what happens there. That's how I learned Photoshop. Um, my mom showed me a couple of things because she was a graphic designer. I watched her use that and Illustrator, but I gravitated more to Photoshop, so I started making all my own stuff. You know, I started playing in there, and it was like, yo. <laughs> that's what you do yeah that's, that's what, what I do. do pass my time you know yeah. kept me out of trouble I'll tell you that yeah, like going to that stuff it really kept like, me out of trouble I never heard anyone put it like that like making beats was like video games I mean like mm-hmm. I get it like cause like writing songs is like an entertaining thing or I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. but like it's never because it, it's more mechanical like a video game when you make a beat like when you watch all the buttons and there's like a visual stimuli to it mm-hmm. where that's a cool way to put it and yeah. so, like, and you were publishing these beats? Like, you made tapes and shit? I have, yeah, I made two tapes. I made, uh, more than two tapes. I've done a bunch. A bunch. But I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, my God. You said God. two. Uh, what? <laughs> oh, man. I can't remember the names. I remember the That's one was uh, Roswell. I had a picture of an alien, like, spaceship doing some stuff. And where did you, you drop them on? On uh, that piff. They actually did good. Um, I had gotten comments from um, what's his uh, DJ Screw's son. Okay. Yeah, he wanted to um, remix a couple of my things, but then I stopped using that piff, and I didn't follow through on that one. Happens. Uh, it was what it is, you know. Did anybody ever just like use your beats for songs that they then posted on that piff? I have no clue. I've never checked. Because it's not like how it would work. In theory, like, in theory, like that hip would be the place to post the music that you would rip off of other people, if I'm not mistaken. 
That's true. Yeah, it's mixtape style, you know? Like, it's a very, very mixtape style, like, website. That's why I fucked with it a lot. Yeah. I, um, it was different. I've come to understand it more now as I really growing up, but back then I did not understand mixtape culture, and mm. I don't think I went on that pit. I, think, I feel like at a certain point, dead ass, I felt like the shit on that piff was inferior to that of other platforms on some white boy classism shit. Mm. Like, for real. Mm. So inevitably, I got I got into mixtapes and shit and understood it a lot better. But, like, was that piff a good marketing tool then? Like, had you, like, stuck with it? Probably, honestly. If I would have had, like, the funding that I wish I would have had at the time, mm. it could have done a couple of things. Because back then, you know, before they all get, like, barded and saturated and then it starts losing the real power to the whole thing and get weeded out you can't really like unless you drop like racks on racks racks beat the top all the time you know it, it was a good tool at the time um there's a lot of people who came up to me and were asked me about beats oh yeah you make beats it's like yeah how'd you know i saw the thing on that piff i was like oh okay you're saying like locally yeah, yeah locally you know and did you ever like start handing out beats in the city um that was more here and there i was mostly doing it on my like doing my own stuff like rapping over my own stuff right and you, when did you start rapping yeah that's the first when i was like in like high school i started like writing and like i was really into like biggie and tupac and i was really into like tupac's Me? message at the time you know I was really, yeah, I was into like some rebel, rebel shit. <laughs> and I was just coming out of like my rock phase because I went through like a, a up and down phase, you know, where I was like fucked with everything. Um, but is it rebel if you're right? Uh, it's a rebel if it's against the norm. It was right. But that, but so it could be rebel and go pop and stop being rebel, but mm. it's rebel as long as his position is against the norm. That's crazy. That actually answers mm. my question. Wait, sorry, I, I have an intro. There's <laughs> <laughs> some crazy shots, crazy thoughts coming in my head. Crazy shots, crazy shots. That's fair. Crazy Fuck thoughts. a pickle. <laughs> Yo, pickles, sick. Shut this pickle. Yeah, and I started writing, and I was able to write a lot. It was very, po it was poetry time, like, you know, like haikus and stuff like that. Like my my style is very different. I never had the. I was able to dance. I had the courage to dance, but I never had the courage to really rap in front of people. Um, there was one Black History Month where I had the opportunity. And I was like, I wrote something. I got my my boy was ready to do something with me, and we all just kind of choked. <laughs> We're like, nah, things are too hectic at school right now. Last thing we need to do is like, uh. so it didn't work out. You know, I put it down, and then it was like twenty two. I really started taking it serious. So like you were done with school at the time? Yeah, I was definitely done with school. I was in the, uh, adult ed, actually. Right. Karachi, trying to finish a few things. So like, there's a few times I had went to a friend's place, you know, we freestyle, make funny-ass songs. Like, I didn't take it serious, you know, like, make songs like Homie Hopper, you know, like, just stupid, stupid shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> if you made a song called Homie Hopper right now, mm. that shit would fly. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It was a remix, actually, from um, 50 Cent's track. Oh, what the hell is the song? Uh, Window Shopper. Right. We remixed that one. So it'd be a homie hopper. <laughs> oh, that's cool, though, because, like, it's still, like, 
experience points, right? Like, yeah, for sure, you know, just fooling around, you know, getting used to being on a mic and recording ourselves, you know, and then I just met people who were serious about it. Um, like you got linked up with the the scene at that point? Yeah, you know, I started getting in more around people who were seen. Like, Meticulous was one big, he was part of RBR at the time, you know, when I first started meeting him, so like... Right. In case people don't know, <clears throat> that's crazy. RBR came up like twice in the last couple of episodes because mm. um, we had uh, 730 here who was affiliated with them back mm -hmm. in the day as well. Um, it's what, Real Big Records, if I'm not mistaken? And uh, they were yep. one of the the bigger waves. Shit, you can't even see my face this one. It's one of the bigger waves and shit that like, came out of the Montreal English mm -hmm. hip-hop scene around that, let's say, Oh six to like eleven era. Mm -hmm. They I don't know exact times. Okay, like I wasn't around back then. I'm I'm just collecting info. But mm. for real, they they produce some like crazy music, and it's stuff that like the people who are around back then play to this day. Like like if you get in a car with basics, there's a fifty percent chance I'll have some mixtape in the car from that era from one of these things, and he'll just mm. be bumping that shit because he's really like like that. Shut up. <clears throat> So that's crazy. So, you, yo, shout out Meticulous, too, because he came through a couple times on the show early on mm. and shared a whole lot of knowledge and info. And he's the one who put me on the SoCan. So, shut up Meticulous, because, yeah. like, Facts. I wouldn't so be vibe. registered. Mm -hmm. to so, I got my first dollar the other day, and I'm like, Psh, let's fucking go. <laughs> Straight up. That's what's up. But, um, so, yeah, you linked up with him, and you're getting connected into the world. Are you, at some point, do you show them your music, or is it still, like, you're just around them? Uh, it was a little bit of A, a little bit of B, you know, like, I wasn't taking it fully, fully serious until I really linked up with, um, with my boys B and G, which was Smizzy Hurricane, Richie Payne. Oh, say a word. Yeah, Smizzy man, that's Hurricane's when, that's really when I really, on the flyer. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. it's crazy. Um, that's when I started taking it for real, for real. Um, mm. shout out to them, Nico Bless also, you know, that's, that was a time, uh, where I'm like, okay, maybe I could really do this, you know? Hey, yo, I don't know about the other names, but I can assure y'all, Smizzy Hurricane's one of these guys who within the last two You're years, gifted. I said, gifted. what the fuck happened to this guy? Because I remembered his live show mm. and the one or two songs I ever heard, because, you know, like back then it wasn't like, a, a, you know what actually happened is a lot of the music from back then gets taken down. Yeah. artists get embarrassed or something i don't like my old shit however it may well be. also we were learning how to release stuff right we didn't have distro kit back then mm. right if we would have distro kit back then yo songs would be still up to this That's moment fact Facts. but like i know he has some shit from 2016 was the last i found because yo i looked for him because mm -hmm. he was like fast like techno kind of shit <laughs> he was, but, like, he was hard called the Panadian like, devil again. <laughs> and like i've seen him perform like three four times in mm. that like 2012 to 2014 run so like that's lit that like, mm -hmm. you're surrounded by greatness from time yeah man yeah man been around a lot you know and especially my sister meeting my sister and my sister doing her things and mm. accomplishing things you know going to the states multiple times like la vegas you know like blessings on blessings you know i got other family too who do their blessings thing you know my blessings. very talented reggae artist she does reggae music mostly for children and stuff now and goes to schools and help right, push wait. that message yeah, yeah yeah she has like albums and stuff um it's like i don't know nah, i mean oh, oh i ain't doing that again i'll do one that oh no you jesse right, just just keep that one all right you got that yeah, it's fine. You can't <laughs> just try to do a normal shot. On everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, 
I'm gonna save it in case we change your mind. Maybe Holden wants to know. Maybe Holden wants to know. You can do it. Listen, at this point, the only way that I'm gonna end up with drinking or eating pickles. How much money? We're talking, I think I can get five figures at some point for this, so we're going to really hold off on some oh, of real man. shit. Because, y'all, it's at some point, here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll tell y'all, I thought about this for years. Well, not years, but for a while. So, like, the main plan is going to be something along the lines of if we sell X amount of this or that, hmm. and that number is going to net me X amount of money, I'll drink a fucking jar of pickle juice hmm. or some bullshit like that. And if it's done right, Enough marketing on the shit. Here's what's gonna happen. Cheers to success, like we Thanks. said. Just play the storyline right. Build it up <laughs> properly. Like like wrestling and shit. And it might take mm. me like a year, a year or two of anticipation, but these moments are gonna keep happening. I'm going to continually refuse pickles forever. <laughs> like, at this point, it's, like, fiscally advantageous for me to not consume pickle content. Facts. <laughs> it's just, you got a fucking point. And so, at that point... Unless you know what? we trick him and I, he doesn't know. No, bro. I was thinking that the other day. I was like, what, happened, what is, like, like I, I'm like, we're all taking this green, like, melon ball shot, right? You heard of the melon ball? Oh, shit. Like, he just takes it. And now I'm going to... Are you gonna spit it out like all over the floor? Bro, I don't know how I'd know. react to it. I would, I what if you just, like it? I don't know. I might. I can't oh. say. I, I can't say a hundred percent that I would hate <laughs> a weird alcohol pickle drink. I can't say a hundred percent. That's in a different uh. spectrum. I can say that I ate a chicken burger the other day and I forgot that people put pickles on chicken burgers because to me that's insanity. I found out nobody <laughs> agrees with me. Fine. And I bit into this shit. I was oh, remember shit. I was on the bus to New York, and I bit into this fucking, and it just tasted the pickle, and it was exactly like my pickle chip song. Everything lived out. I took the pickles off. I couldn't get rid of the flavor of pickle. Oh. I couldn't finish the fucking burger, and I just put it down <laughs> and I gave up because it just oh, tasted shit. like fucking pickles and shit. So like I know I don't like pickles. Like. You can't avoid pickles. Mm. You have to be on point saying no pickles to shit or they just show up in your life and you <laughs> forget here and there. It's like you get caught slipping. Fuck. Okay? And I do when it comes to pickles. And that's how I know I don't like them. <laughs> Respect to that. Uh, Yo, you, know the... you know something funny? I was just thinking. Smizzy Hurricane. Sorry, uh, mm. My ADHD is crazy. It's good. <laughs> Smizzy Hurricane was the reason I got back into freestyling. Yo, tell mm. me about that, because shout out Smizzy Hurricane. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he watches this one day, because I think he's a fire Facts. MC. He's crazy. Facts. He's crazy. So crazy. He's I went crazy. to um, this ILS school, Karte. Like, I left I left high school <laughs> my 15. I didn't finish my set four, set five. I have it now. I'm doing a DEP. Mm. We all good. I, it... Everything at its own time. Oh, but shout out right? Cartier. Both my parents went to Cartier when I was a teenager. Mm. Shout out Cartier, but also fuck Cartier. My brother ended up going to Cartier. Too. <laughs> fuck Cartier. I might be wrong, but I think. <laughs> I mean, like, legitimately, though, like, the fact that there are adult ed services and yeah. that they do help people. Exactly. That's why I say, like, like, shout out Cartier. I'm not that, that, that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine going to Cartier is trash. But like I've seen the booklet. That's it. No, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's just, it's what it is. Well, some people aren't as informed as they say they are, and 
you go and do one thing and then you go to apply for something and then they tell you well you actually don't have the requirements and you mm. go back like yeah you do it's like what the okay you know what that shit was confusing <laughs> i went through the same shit like what what do you mean i i'm not actually well i went back i went back personally to learn how to become welder and i had to go get a couple of classes and things done and get my uh, uh whatever paperwork they wanted Hold on, they do like welding and like career. No, shit. no, no, no. But you you go there to get the prerequisites to go to the school. Right. right. Okay. That offers credits. that. You need certain credits. Right. And that's where you get them. So uh, I went, I finished what I needed to finish, and then I went to apply at the school that offers welding. And they literally sat there and said, "I don't know why you're here. You're way off. Like, government changed their their stuff like a year ago." <laughs> that's some trash. Right. And yeah. at that point, that's like. You hear it in my music too a lot of times. I was like, fuck the system. I was on some. My older stuff before I linked back up with him was very, very, very rebellious stuff. No, but that's like an interesting point, right? Because, like, you're trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're doing it all. And then on some bureaucratic technicality, you get fucked. Yep. And it's not like you had prior knowledge to this. There's no way you could have known this. Mm hmm. But at the just, same time, you're sitting there going like, okay, so now the plan of getting loans and bursaries yeah. and, you know, doing this and this, now that's down the drain. Now i got to find a job. <laughs> you got to find something <laughs> like, new. Like, I've been off work for too long, you know, like. And it'd and it be like that. Like, mm -hmm. honestly. Your life does set you on a path, mm -hmm. though. That's a fact. Like, my university situation Makes was pretty stronger. trash. I had to move out because my home situation wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And the government said, oh, you don't need to move out. We're not giving you nothing. Your mom can afford it. So my mom files papers because she lost her job and so yeah. she couldn't afford her contributions. And this is the first. This is the first time pickles were eaten on an interview. No, okay, right, no. Maybe after. Yo, this is not good. Like, I don't actually <laughs> buy the people eat pickles. Like Bonnie be eating pickles even more than ever because of this whole campaign. <laughs> this is this is actually a good pickle. Like, what's the company? This, this is, is just great value. Yeah, no, I went so, Walmart like, for that. My mom like this is better than the one I got from Metro. My mom did like some paperwork to like tell them she had no money, and the government's like okay, and then just said she owed nothing, but I got no more money. So mm -hmm. it was like, well, now nah, I gotta go work, and you know, yep. I just was like damn eh just cause like life throw you curve ball. and it's yeah. like some weird bureaucratic bullshit mm -hmm. I went down appealed nothing mm. there's no solution sometimes you're just like too bad so sad go fuck yourself other people are worse you shouldn't be crying kind of vibes I don't mm. know what it is today but the internet was not what it is today back then no, so like not. all the resources and the go look it ups and the tiktoks telling you how to get none of that existed in like fucking 08 correct right so like you were just kind of stuck calling phones and hoping that the right academic person or this or that could get you to the right thing and literally physically going places mm -hmm. for meetings at inconvenient times, all that shit. I think that's why. That's why I dropped out of adult ed and started rapping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, for real, though, like, that's literally what happened with Smizzy. Okay, like, I'm not like trying to snitch him out or nothing, but he skipped all his classes, bro. <laughs> he skipped all his classes, and, like, there's there's a, like, there's a method behind every greatness. Right? Right. Like, I'm not saying everyone has the same method, but there's a method behind every greatness. And mm. I saw Smizzy, where he came from at that point. I think he knew him earlier than I did. But when I met him in Kreitzay... There was no class for this guy. He might have went to one class a day, maybe. And the rest of the day, like, I mean the rest of the day, the rest of the school day, 
Like, I'm talking from 9 to 3, he maybe went for, like, an hour and a half. Like, your first class or, like, 45 minutes, depends mm -hmm. on what class you have. And, like, what teachers you have. Some of them were 45 minutes, some of them were an hour and a half. But he went to one of those, and the rest of the day, till 3 o'clock, he was at this park, the Centennial Park, freestyling mm -hmm. the whole fucking time. There's, like, a gang of, like, 10 of us, and just freestyling, freestyling. I was honored. He invited me into this group. So, like, we went... And I freestyle with them. And, like, for the first time in my life, nobody was going, like, you can't do that. Mm. They're like, yo, keep doing that. That's sick, you know? Like, that was encouragement for me because, like, I realized my potential at that point. Mm. I think that's the point in my life where I decided to stop being stepped on. Say that again? I think that's the point in my life where I decided to stop being stepped on. Okay. Mm. Like, I was, I was a people pleaser, like, as a child. Okay. I also wanted to, and in sometimes in the wrong ways. Like, uh, you ask anybody, including my my adoptive parents, my real parents, or whatever. You ask anybody, including my parents, like, was this kid like real? <laughs> I was like stupid real. I would like do something fucked up, like really fucked up, and be like, yeah, I did it, and I'm like, I'm proud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but like fucked up shit like that. The reason being was my perception of people pleasing was more than like telling someone what they wanted to hear. It was like, I understood because I guess like the whole, like that's where some cool shit might've come into play. Like the pastorism and stuff from my dad, like it taught me that like one thing is like, people just want to know the truth. Mm, that's a fact. You know, like I don't care who you are out there. Sometimes. Like you mostly <laughs> don't. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes well, I'm scared of like it. People, we don't mean individuals. We mean, people as a general mm -hmm. and i think people like, as a general they want to always truth. want to know the truth Fact. and yeah people in general are far more forgiving of because nobody believes that you're capable of accountability and redemption or like moving mm. forward if you're not able to be truthful about the things that Facts. you've done mm. so that's why people care, care about, about the truth. truth if you can admit it and own it Facts. then at the very least you can do something about it 100 percent but that, that played, played into, into my, my that, that played into, into my people pleasing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I would be like this and this and that, and then I'd be truthful about it because I know that's what people want. Mm -hmm. But then, then it'd be like disappointed, and I'd be like shit. So instead of like, I wouldn't go about lying about shit. I just try and change myself, which I realize is completely the wrong method. You know what I mean? But when that hit me, that was a point in my life where actually hit me, and he stepped in back into my life at that point too, because like actually we were. So there's, there's like, like two instances, instances right? right? There, there was, or was, was it? it no, it wasn't the same, same time. time. Carsey and, and the apartment wasn't the same time. time. So there was the apartment, there was Carsey, and then there's there like later on another apartment. There's like three yeah. instances where we re-met. An apartment? Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, was it Connor? I think so. It was Connor. I believe I met you through. Yeah. And so there's this one guy. I don't know what I said. Rest in peace. What the fuck I want to say about this guy? I really wish the best for him. And I love that guy with the bottom of my heart. But like we went through some shit. I'm just gonna say that. And like I realized at some point in my life that you can't just dig back into the dirty ink and pull people out. Sometimes they have to do it themselves. You know, you can tell them how to do it. Man, you can't fight their battles for them. You can tell them how to do it, but you ain't gonna sink in there. You're not gonna sink in there. Nah, that's an important. It's uh, an important point. 
You, know, you can't, can't drown, drown too. You know what I mean? mean? There's already there someone drowning. drowning. Like, like you throw them a buoy. If they, if they don't, don't want to grab on the buoy, buoy they're, they're drowning. drowning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, unless you can swim that hard. And to swim that hard, you got to have a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of patience. Even then, you'll still be disappointed at the end. Because what you're saying is a fact. You might pull them out and jump right back in. Or the second you turn around. The yeah. second you're not there, yeah. like I've had moments where it's like that. Like, okay, so fine, as long as you are the focus of my devotion, so to speak, you'll behave. And the second yeah. I'm gone, it's almost like you'll act out to get it. It's not sustainable shit. No, it's not. And it's not healthy to 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 do. So it's like, nice. So basically, I don't know. Basically, no plan. Step on you is is a good move, but more crazy move. It's crazy, and that made me realize, realize everything in there. But he, he was, was part of that, that as well. You were, you were crazy. crazy, crazy. So you can't. It's just also very. Like, it's also like the idea of not saving a hoe. I know it's like a, a thing. But you can't. <laughs> it's true. You can't it's fucking true though. You don't I don't actually do shots on a lot of interviews, so I'm like, okay, wait, my reflexes are a little slow. But that's okay. We got you on smoking vibe. This is what we do. We killing it. This is the show though. I know my. This is the show. It's all over. Yo, Yo, shout, shout out, out to HSR. HSR. Yo, HSR514, motherfuckers. Yeah, I appreciate I'm that. All day, every day. I promise, though, the people that be watching this, for the most part, do know how to find me. <laughs> well, well, good. Because, because like, you know what I'm saying? saying? But, like, for the people that, like, Stay. are coming in, because I shared this, obviously, all of my Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Feel Patreon.com slash behind that suit if you're feeling generous. Yes, sir. No, but... I think it's important to recognize in your life that there are going to be people that you quote unquote can't save. Like over the course of my evolution, I've had numerous calling periods, as you can call them, where you know, most of my friends are new friends. I know that like it's super popular to be Actually, like, we have no friends. fuck, like, like, <laughs> we have no friends. Like Chris Chrome, I've been around for like nine years, don't get me wrong. And I have a couple other people that have been around since time. But even then, my longest friend is somebody I met when I was 17. I don't even have friends from before 17 years old in my life. I feel you on that, man. Yeah. We have family. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how it'd be. But, um, so basically, you're at that point and you start freestyling in the Cartier or the park near Cartier, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's part of the field. This is Cartier's in Beaconsfield, man. Yo, it's crazy. I dated a girl when I was 17. That, like, so I was basically, while you guys were doing this, I was smashing this chick that lived in one of them houses on the waterfront. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we dated yeah. for like three years. You weren't that far off. <laughs> it was like, we dated for like three years, but I drove by that place all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like, like, constantly driving by car daily, that's yeah. right next to beaconsfield high school tour like right there, by it yeah that's where i went to high school yeah. did you yeah i got expelled fair yeah <laughs> did you go to high school me i went to Lindsay place say word i got expelled from there too because <laughs> <laughs> uh of the situation Fair enough. Yeah. Situations do take Don't say the N word if you don't want to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. So you're you're freestyling with Smizzy Hurricane. He basically give in that the squad there gives you the courage and confidence to 
pursue it, then you reconnect with him at some guy's apartment who you had to let go so due to life issues. We had actually connected before that. Mistaken. This apartment whole thing, like when I first moved to Montreal and I moved out, I I was working at St. Hubert's, mm. a family family chicken restaurant. Right. And I get this apartment. This guy that works there, he like co-signed it and everything. And um, eventually, I got like Connor coming over and everything. Connor introduces me to Sean. Yeah. And uh, yo, we clicked right away. Now everybody else in the group eventually fucking came and gone, but we clicked right away. Like I believe there's reasons for that. Like, most obviously, like, we have a lot of the same moral values. We have a lot of the same just like visions. Right. Obviously, everybody has different things. They think about everything, but like we make that work. You know what I mean? Like some people just can't make that work. It felt like harmony yeah, from the get go, you know. So like, it if even if there's arguments, it's like quick things. It's like okay, yeah, but that doesn't make sense because of that. that yeah, but it makes sense like that. Okay, true. You know what I mean? Uh, like, like it's like, yo, honestly, these musical journeys we go on with each other are very much like dating. Mm. As much as people don't want to like, I know, pause and all that shit, but like. It really is like Always. that. And people are compatible <laughs> with who the fuck they are compatible with. Yeah. And, That's true. Um, like, for whatever reason, me and Chris, for whatever reason, Chris Crumb puts up with my shit. I'll, I'll be real. Yeah. <laughs> he, puts he puts up, up with mine. So, <laughs> so like, and, like, certain people just, like, tolerate my bullshit. And if they, for whatever reason, feel that my bullshit is worth whatever benefit I give to their life, we tend to get along really well. Yeah. And if my bullshit is too much, we tend to not get along as well. And then sometimes you have those turbulent moments where you have to butt heads and all that shit. Like, sometimes me and Mr. Scandal's in the crowd, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you figure out how to, like... That's, that's the thing. That's the difference between being a, a team that can be successful and a team that can't be successful. If you can get through those bad times and just get through them because it's not the end of the world. Unless it's, like, a line cross, you know, like, which doesn't happen. So it's, like, everything, everything's fixable. There's always a solution to every problem, you know? Also, I feel like a lot of times when you butt heads as annoying as it can be, often the end result is everybody's greater for it. Yeah. Even if it could be that. annoying. Yeah, because all unique. There's a stronger outcome to a broken question. You know what I mean? Like, when there's a broken question in life, the outcome is all stronger. I was given this example once by a teacher, and it says, you break a mug, right? Glass, ceramic, whatever. I've done that a few times in the right? last year. It shatters to pieces. If you can re recollect every piece, if you can, recollect every piece, and you put it together with this method they have for putting back, it's ten times stronger than the original product. Say a word. Why? The molding. The molding process, the remolding process, the glue is stronger than the actual cement, like ceramic and glass. And, like, uh, when you see, like, those... Um, in, in like, like the, the cathedrals, cathedrals right? right? All, All the, the shattered shatter glass, glass put together. The stained glass. Some of them is just shattered glass, 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 glass put together. And, and that, that glass, glass is stronger than a regular glass. glass. I did not know any of that. 
because, because the molding in between makes it like 10 times stronger than what it originally was. So to bring that back, that's the metaphor for the conflicts within a group. Using stronger forges and shit, which I believe in. Like, because the fact is, like, I'm personally pretty stubborn, but I'm also stubborn about the loyalty angle of it, too. So I'm not about to, like, be stupid over a moment or two. I might be petty, but I'm not going to be too stupid about it. Shut up. Yeah, loyalty is a big thing. I think it matters. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if it doesn't just matter. It's, it's absent in, 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 like, the mediocre, like, key. mainstream world right now. I think it's coming together again. I hope so. No, I mean, if you just have to look at, you just have to look at Gen Z. You have to look at the evolution of things. Like, if you look... I like music marketing as, like, a passion project because it's so interesting, the stories of it. But, like, groups like Brockhampton or a lot of these collectives are really what is thriving like look mm. odd, odd future gang and all them right like mm. since like the entire time i've been involved in music it's always been collectives and labels that have actually dominated the indie scene it's that is true yes they might be built around a main guy and that's usually where i think a lot of groups have a lot of trouble mm. accepting whether or not they're the main guy or a girl which yeah, yeah. There can only be one. So Sometimes. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Surprise. It depends on the structure of the team, right? Yeah. But, like, somebody... Fair enough. Like, I'm not going to go that. But, like, not everyone's going to be the stars of a group. No. And that's just the reality of the situation. And some... I don't want to, like... Like, look at the way Wu-Tang is structured. Like, if you watch that American Saga show, unfortunately, even if it was frustrating, you got inspected deck. They had to kind of wait for their turn to shine. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, that's that's that where I think yeah. a lot of situations have problems, but I also don't think we have a lot of training for how to work together, and it's a lot of things that we're learning. Mm. When you look at them kids, they do have those skills because, honestly, TikTok and all that shit, it gives them mm. really useful tips. Um, I'm 7.30 on TikTok, bro. TikTok's a lot of what you look up on it. So, like, if you're yeah, looking yeah, for good shit, shit, you're going to find it. And if you're looking for bad shit, shit you're going to find it. Hmm. I'm, I'm only saying this out of the perspective of I have a kid who's going through it right now. It's true, because, yo, you can't stop. Like, you can stop your kid from searching something, but you can't stop their friends from showing them and searching something. You know, like, it's like, think about how we found out about, like, Morpheus and LimeWire. Like, I learned that through a homie like i remember that like i wasn't allowed to play video games i still figured well certain video games mm-hmm. like you think grand theft auto was a no straight yeah. up right i figured it out exactly <laughs> so, to me it's like this shit's all gonna happen but the yeah. flip side of it is you she's probably gonna encounter a lot of like here's how to be a strong woman shit that she never would have encountered except for tiktok I'm sure mm-hmm. to find other kinds of role models where I don't think kids are entirely caught up on the bad ones. I, I think they're smart enough to have a lot of role models and shit. That is true about different. But they'll get yeah. I feel like the saturation is really bad. Right? Yeah. I'll put it that way. Like, as much as I... I'm a guy, first of all, so I'm not a woman role model. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but as a dad, it's rough. Like, dude, I came from a life where, like, not the same kind of gang stuff, but different kind of weird stuff. Call it a collective if you want. Mm. Call it a collective if you want. A criminal collective is pretty much what I had a part of. Like, I didn't join the gang families. I didn't. I knew about it because 
I had beefs with some of them, and like you learn a lot about your beefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you study your your opponents. You know what I mean? Right. So I learned a lot about that, but he he lived it. Um, I think that makes us. <laughs> that's just something else that you know we're able to relate on. But um, coming from that and having a child, and I'm speaking for myself. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, like. We never talked about this before. This is deep. <laughs> but, like, for me, like, it was fucked up. Because I had to, like, switch my mind from something that I don't want my daughter to be a part of. Ever. Mm. Ever, ever, ever. And I had to change aspects of my life. Even my music. Like, my music reflected a lot on that. Mm. And, like, we had a whole thing. And this we've talked about. That we want people to understand where we came from, where we're going, and where we end up. Right. And that's that's a thing in our music. And this is a little... If it's you don't see growth, this interview, right? you'll never know about this until you hear the music. So you you want some shit if you hear this right now. Because I'm going to let out like there's just a little boop, and that's it. Because I'm going to talk about this after. But we have a plan. We're going to let them know what we were, where we are, and where we're going. And where we end up. But that, You got yeah, like these four stages, you know what I'm saying? But to be fair, like that's what you should do. Like, I feel it, but my daughter listens to my music. Mm-hmm. So that's what you gotta watch what you say. How, how old is your son? I know your daughter. I met your daughter. He's twelve. So like they're, they're almost the same age. Yeah, 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 she's eleven. Yeah, that's why. I'm seeing it. Like I've had that the conversation with my kid where he's listening to people like mm-hmm. that do drill music. They're from the states, and I'm sitting there going like, "Really, dude? Like." Back. <laughs> you don't live that life, you know. And I'm hearing them talk. Oh yeah, I got ops. I got ops. And you listen to a little kid talk over there, like shit. <laughs> like you say, your son's walking around using the lingo. Yeah, you know, I'm very familiar with the lingo, and it's just like I get it. Like that he knows my past. People know my past. Our kids are smart. Yeah, you know, it's it's an eye opener. They know without us telling at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's something to be aware of. I'm gonna say that, like, as an artist who's come from like a dark past. You gotta be aware. Like, I wasn't as aware as I wish I could have been. Mm. But, you know what? I don't regret my past. I don't regret anything about That's what I made me why I'm today, man. I live. You should. I don't. Like, I mean, you are. Sometimes people have to go through some dark shit so that they yeah. can end up being the light that shines brightly yeah. on. Like, yeah. like, I know people paint Jesus like a saint. And I don't mean this in a sacrilegious way, but the man hung out with hookers and shit. Like he mm. was clearly in the trenches. Mm. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Jesus smoked blunts with hoes dead ass just to be able to be in the spot with the For people. Sure. And so like the Bible describes that. So like if you're really like trying to connect, especially with you know what I, I notice a lack of is people our age trying to connect with the like twenty year olds. Mm. And the only way that could happen is usually you've been through some shit so you can connect with the people who are mm-hmm. going through some shit. So I know it sounds like weird, but... No, it's supposed to be mentors for them, true. right? It's supposed to be a part of... deal with shit to help yeah. the people dealing with shit. It's true, but it's hard. And I feel like a lot of people growing up in our generation walk away from hard stuff. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, in this room, I feel that presence where, like, we were willing to go through that. But there's a lot of people I know, they just, you know, I'm going to focus on, I'm not hating because it's still a smart move, but at the same time, like, that next generation is going to take care of this world when we're dying. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, it's super important. Not just having kids and teaching them shit, but like, I know a couple of twenty-year-olds, a couple of twenty-two-year-olds and shit, like ten years younger than me, and like, when I get the chance, I play that teacher role, I play that mentor role, because it's not it's not a thing of like, oh, I know this, I know that. It's really not. It's the complete opposite. It's like I want you to know this and know that. But also, there's a big I, difference between like I want to know what they're going through. Facts. One hundred percent. Because yo, like you, you learn, learn from them as well. Some of the yeah. most insightful interviews I've done are when I talk to the little ones. Yeah. Like mm. I remember talking to like this seventeen-year-old, and it just because you know, how often you talk to seventeen-year-olds, right? right? Yeah. And his experience is so different than mine. Absolutely. Uh, it's true though. That's what really made me realize some shit. You know, I sit there and I catch myself saying things to my kid that my parents said to me, and I'm like. <laughs> I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. We're living two different eras. You know, so I try to relate with my, my kid a lot more, but I definitely see the difference. I mean, you got to understand, like, to the people watching, if, you, if you're not, like, like, these kids all have, like, eight years of digital marketing experience by the time they start their job. Facts. They're already talking like YouTubers. It's nuts. They're already talking like YouTubers, man. I watched his daughter do some really, like, like, Makeup tutorials on like what the fuck? All of us, like I just watched, and she did. She goofed on me, bro. Like she came at me. She was like, "Oh, you think you can dance? Watch me show you what the fuck this is." And there is nothing harsher than a young lady putting you in your place. (laughs) (laughs) She would look you. She'll she look look me dead ass in the eye. Oh yeah, no fear, man. No fear, man. And I'm like, what do you expect? But see, that's the thing we teach our kids to not be afraid, man. That's one thing I really dig in my kid's head is, like, any dream is possible as long as you don't give up on it. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, don't go, like, oh, I'm going to do this for, like, a year or two and then maybe drop out. No, 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 bro. If you're going to do this, let's let's go all the way. Like, can't stop. No matter what the hurdle's put in your way and no matter what mood you're in, you know, it's got to, like, break through it. And that's what we really try to talk about in our music here and there, you know. Like, it's a mix of our past. And, and also a bit of like, like, yo, you can get out of the dark. Because like, we've seen shit. Yeah, and, and I feel like, that. So, so it's basically you guys are like young adults. And then you're in the circle. And then you said something about you were in another band. And you were managing this band. Yeah, yeah that's when we reconnected. That was 2017. That was um, the third reconnect. I got hit by so flooding. Like Smizzy Hurricane thing is the second reconnection. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you guys separate again. Yeah, yeah, basically, we started seeing each other. I really dug into the whole B&G thing. We joined up with this thing called Rich Scholars and got signed to a label called Mars Records. So you got signed and we're doing a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. In the yeah. meantime? Well, let him tell us about getting signed and yeah. a little bit in the meantime. Yeah. Um, it was different. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. How did that even come to be? It was like a 360 deal, basically, where like the guy would pay for our beats um, he hooked each and every one of us up with an album, uh, paid for recording time, um, had somebody come in and film, do videos for us. It was getting to a big, big, it was starting to roll, but he bit too much, too quick, you know, like took on too many people and then things started clashing and it just crumbled. You know? This was like local? Yeah, this was over here in Montreal. It was called Mar- Mars Records. Right. So the guy signed about too many of y'all, and yeah, it started off with like just the B and G collective, you know. I think there was about seven of us at that time, and then it ended up being like thirteen of us, and 
<laughs> I can imagine how having 13 rappers and everything. Yeah, and then booking a seven-hour studio session and having all these artists come through to record their stuff. And you're like, wait, so how long do I have? 20 minutes to record? What? Bro, I have a 13 to 15-track album you want from me. Shit. How am I supposed to get this done? So it's basically... It. And this is not meant to be shitty. It's meant to be like a learning point. It yeah, it's definitely project a project management. Big, that kept that big. Because in theory, that could have been scheduled in a way where you had an hour and then only exactly right. This day. Exactly. It, it was it was a good time at the same time. I had a lot of blessings there. You know, I have videos that haven't dropped. I have a lot of things that I wish I could have dropped but and let to do. Um, so you could, but you learned a lot about how music's supposed to be made. Exactly. exactly. You know, I did learn about the backgrounds and how it really works in the label, the cuts that people make music-wise, and the whole, like, SoCan registering yourself, you know, and everything that has to do with actually being part of a label. Well, part of a label, like I said, this guy was an amateur just trying to do his thing. Bless him for trying to help, but it is what it is. Um, and then I started doing my own thing independently. There's a lesson in that stills, right? Because I know a lot of people who encounter situations like that. And, like, even to that end, like, my homeboy, Sean uh, King Canada, Bring the Bars, effectively created one of those. Mm. And he was super transparent with everyone. And he managed to make everything free. Mm. So, like, he's able to hook people up with beats and mixing because he managed to make all that free. So, like, mm. there's not all this capital run. And then he just takes his cuts up the mastering and, like, pulled it off. But done right it's actually like a cool thing to have those yeah. people take that spot done wrong it's a high-risk maneuver where i imagine you're locked into a situation where you're creating all this music and it doesn't come out for xyz reason exactly and then when it fumble crumbles you're like frick i had a whole album well almost a whole album finished there two videos three videos were filmed all it gets taken down you're like Okay, so here I go starting from scratch again. And that's when I got fed up. And that's when you were like going by Flip? Uh, Flix. Flix, my brother. Yeah, yeah, Flix. Uh, Flix of Phoenix for the longer term. Um, How did you get that name? It was mostly because it's like a movie. <laughs> Life's like a movie, Flix, and because of my dancing style when I got into crumping, um, I had very fast movements and my sister and a couple people was like yo you're doing like flicks and your life is like a movie why don't you just call yourself flicks and like oh yeah and then i look like my father so i went with the whole phoenix the rebirth from the ashes you know second chance um and then i got on that where i started filming myself having my cousin help out shadow yb uh he'd film me sometimes and i'd edit everything make my own beach jump on all that shit and then i got hit by the flooding in 2017 so, hold on. So you were like spending the mid two thousand tens, literally doing the indie DIY. Yeah. So you're like Russ, basically. You're pushing it like that. And were you basically. performing during that period? Uh, here and there. I wasn't really connected to too many people to get on shows, but I got on a couple times here and there. Dizzle D threw me on some stuff. Uh, DJ Shack Attack. Uh, there's a few people. Who who helped out till I met everybody else and got onto bigger bills. Right. But then, yeah, I got hit by the flooding. That was crazy. So you're in Purifying? I was in Il Bazaar. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I was like right by the water. My parents were probably like, this was back home for a bit trying to get my shit together. And my parents live like nine houses down from the shore. <laughs> so like water was coming up. But, oh yeah, military. I remember actually I had gone to Toronto. 
Right before it got to its worst, we left the Toronto to go do the Cut Connect, where I had my first booth with TMS and stuff. What I was doing there, I was doing a bunch of stuff. I don't know what filming. Cut Connect was some conference, music conference. They had Shocklayer opening at that time, so I had a booth where I was basically showcasing the interviews. Uh, the beat production, music, and all that we performed. Interviews as well. Yeah, yeah he used to do this thing called Hungry. All right, so you gotta wrap that back. Yeah, you're one of them dudes where you're like an onion. You gotta like. Yeah, yeah, it's the thing. It's like I've mixed and mingled with a lot since 2004. So when did you start the interviews? How did that come out? The first time I ever wanted to do interviews was back in like oh four oh five. Um, I started like going around the neighborhood and filming guys freestyle, beat boys, street racing. You were like doing like the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a handheld camera and I'd throw it into Movie Maker and do these, these ghetto ass edits, you know, like people doing burnouts and street racing with dancing. Somewhere. 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 <laughs> I'm you that some Patreon computer. money to be made, my <laughs> Straight up, though. Straight up, though. Out of my homeboy. Victoria beating a Mustang. Because the guy blew his clutch. <laughs> you were, like, really, like... like I was really trying to do diamonds it. Diamonds or any of these dudes that were, like, walking around. Even Vlad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Blaze Battle, all these dudes were like, yeah, man, I was, I was really, yeah, Smack DVD was the shit, like that, that was my shit. I really fucked with that. So when I got back into it all, I'm like, yo, I really want to put on for the city. People doing this, cause like I haven't heard anybody tell me that they was. I don't think to what I was trying to do. He was on a different level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's always been on a different level. It was like a lot of like street dancing, you know, like it was different, you know. And I, I put that aside for a bit. Because I'm like, yo, to do this for real, I need the gear, and I don't got the gear. I'm from working from the bottom up, you know? I hear that. Um, and then I got into the whole hungry thing where I'm like, yo, I got to put on for the city. I've been doing so much stuff where I'm like, me, me, me. Let me just. It's like you jump ahead 10 years? Yeah, it's jumping ahead 10 years before I lose back up with him. Right? And I, I got my taxes, and I bought a Canon. Camera. Yeah, a good, yo, people take some advice. It's That's tax season right now. Yeah, yeah. you get your tax it. money right now. If you don't have kids that are gonna eat up that check, invest that Facts. shit. If you have kids, I don't know what to Facts. tell you. You still gotta invest. Facts. You need but to be, not, a, I, you gotta I show your kids that investment is fucking exactly. priceless. Listen to exactly. a parrot. Still have that same I'm not camera. a parrot. You know, <laughs> like you gotta make sure your kids are fed. But at the same time, if your kids can't grow up and be like, yo. My dad invested in this, and mm-hmm. you know he believed in this, and this, and this, and that, and it turned out to be what more than he wanted to be. Yeah. Then what are they looking at? My dad didn't invest in my future because he didn't invest in himself. My dad didn't invest in my knowledge because he didn't invest in his own. My dad didn't invest in his character because he was too afraid of what would happen. Mm. Facts. Yeah, yeah so take part of that mm-hmm. check and do something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I bought, bought a camera, Canon, and then I started a uh, Canon camera. Sorry, started doing a little bit of photography, and then started filming videos. But like, like again, I was still limited. But I'm like, oh, I could do interviews. So I did a couple of interviews. I think like 21 or 23 episodes. Yeah. Who'd you interview? Do you remember? 
I definitely remember I did CY, Cody Bosch, uh, Sean James, Mines, it's a French rapper, uh, Travis, uh, Travis Bryant, uh, who else, man, oh my god, it's been a while since I look back all these, I did Peter Jackson, at the Cut Connect, he actually was there. Shout out to that guy. That guy's a hard-working motherfucker. Um, Jesus. A whole bunch of people, man. Uh, no, so... to YouTube? Yeah. They post to YouTube and Facebook. They're actually still up on Facebook. You can go check out the page, TMS. Uh, that's the Movement Squad. That's hard. I'm gonna, yo, that's actually a treasure trove of some shit that nobody knows about. Oh, yeah, there's a lot that's of stuff on there. Some watch man. on stream one day. There's even some, like, street racing stuff there. I, I filmed JDM Fest one time. That was fun. I love that stuff, man. Do you, do you think music festivals, because an example, like the, the Canadian Music Festival thingy is happening very soon as an example. Mm. Do you think these types of things are worth going to? And if you do go to it, like, what are you supposed to be trying to get out of it? I think it is worth it. Festivals always seem to be a vibe if they're set up properly, if they have proper vendors, things going on, and proper security. I mean, these are more like networking festivals, not like regular people pulling up for a concert festival. Networking right? festivals? So, like, yeah. Yeah, because I went to the Cut Connect, and I, that was like a really, that was an eye-opener, you know, a bunch of people, different things, different companies, you know, like, the all relate to the industry so you get a lot of cards and you're like okay so i can do this and do this now that i couldn't have done before if i didn't come here and do this thing i wouldn't have known that existed you know Uh, so it's really just about like getting exposed to stuff beyond what you're currently learning more tools because you terms of how the real industry works exactly because we there's always something to learn bro like there's things that we're learning about right now that if they work it's like eye-openers it's like okay it's really like this okay but it's like gotta learn how to use it properly you know there's so many tools that we don't know that are out there for us where we don't even need a label Hmm. you know what i mean today the independent scene is the best way to go you know like like what you're doing with your merch and we all do with our stuff you know it's like it's got to stay consistent that's facts i like push, the fact push, that push. i can do what i want creatively even if it's less monetizable which mm-hmm. allow me to be clear the second you take somebody else's money the metrics control everything about what you do mm-hmm. and that's like fair enough somebody else is paying for your shit they need their roi yeah so we basically caught up i think ish to like when you guys reconnect so what were you doing over that period of like cartier in 2017 uh a lot of it i can't talk about (laughs) (laughs) for legal reasons understand (laughs) um but that's the darker part of my life let's just put it that way i did a lot of stuff that was you know questionable i uh, learned a lot of lessons from what i did Mm. but um, thankfully I didn't get into too much legal trouble. I just got into a minimal amount, if you want to put it that way. And I did an extreme amount of reflection on it and an extreme amount of reaction. Extreme amount of reaction. Right. Breaking out of 
Anyway, <laughs> 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 it's some crazy shit. Me always. But, uh, the I things that we've done. Like, yeah, <laughs> the things that we've Sometimes done, people do things. Uh, I did not do those things. But, like, sometimes people have lives where, like, look, I was blessed that for all of the, the circumstances that my parents put up, you know, like, mm. put me through, etc. Like, I never starved. There was mm. always clothes. And we had last generation Nintendos and shit. We weren't like current gen, but mm. like you know, like those are blessings when yeah. you hear about Facts some though. of the circumstances. So like, trust. It was all about that request brand life. Like we weren't talking nice yeah. shit. Shout out Zellers. It's back now. <laughs> Straight up. I'm tempted to buy some Zellers just to see, but like I looked at because yo. Know, I remember that was a spy go up there get rock rock aware. Because yeah, it didn't look. Because yeah, I opened up the like, website on the bay. And it, it wasn't like lit. It was just like, oh, you're poor. Welcome to Zellers. <laughs> <laughs> that was my feelings on the current Zellers. Sorry if you don't agree with it. But no, man. It's all good, man. But um, I was talking to them. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes I got that, like, spidey sense in my mind goes off where I'm like, mm, I know somebody doesn't like what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> So you basically went, were you like making music and stuff during that phase? Always. Were you in bands? Like, was that like part of it all? Mm -hmm. So I was like an in-between band phase. Like I wasn't in bands. And like I said, when I got to Carse, um, before we, we even like, I like saw him in the halls. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> no fucking way. You know what I mean? Which is crazy. But um, before that, like I said, I reconnected with like, my roots. Mm. I was like going out freestyle with Schmizzy and like these boys, and there's like there's a good there's a good like crowd. It was it was fun. Mm. It was fun times, but like I was like I said, encouraged instead of right discouraged at that mm. point. So this is the birth of you. I don't believe that should have had an effect on me, but as a young child. You go through, you go through. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, art's an interesting thing. Like, a lot of my confidence, whether or not it's a good thing, comes from the fact that, like, people I respect respect me and what mm -hmm. I do with it. If that didn't happen, I either need to get better or, you know, something. So, like, I didn't become confident in music until that started happening. Like, especially lately, it's like, Yo, people who are way better than me fuck with me, so clearly I'm doing something right. Mm. So it's like I don't have to stress that. But like back in the daytimes, like I always believed in myself. Mm. But when people don't take you, like in high school, people thought it was a joke. So I never thought <laughs> to take it seriously. Right? Like I did it to express. It was more of a venting thing. Mm. But then in Sejep, I remember vividly. It was stupid little moments, like. Um, we, I did a karaoke of Forgot About Dre mm. at Abbott at the atrium. That's not easy. <laughs> and when I did the tick -tick 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 Slim Shady part, the like, all the black people in the back got the fuck up and cheered. And it was in that moment, I said, I know it sounds like what it is, but like they didn't react to nothing until that. And nobody else really reacted, but they mm. were so loud and vibrant that I'm like, yo, I want that for the rest of my life. Right? And mm. So, like, had that not happened, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to, because not long after that, I recorded my first bullshit song and et cetera, et cetera, and it moved like that. But it was really 
one moment at John Abbott where you, I signed up and did forgot about Get it. Abbott. dude. I love Abbott. It was a Abbott mm-hmm. was like three great years of my life. Like I if there was performed there a few times with the, the fight piece. That was a thing, man. They're like. Uh, they had the talent show, and then they had their, like, show, show, show thing. Yes, where you're smoking ink, been eating pickles. Yo, you missed the part <laughs> then where uh, Hashe got Sean to do a pickleback. Uh, no, you were there. You commented on it. <laughs> I was waiting for him to realize. <laughs> eh, it's like that. It's like that. It's, it's okay. okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, Willie. Willie's a funny guy in the comments. Sometimes you forget, you go through it. It's like, this is how it be. Multitasking like a motherfucker. Shout out Willie Scandal. Willie's great. Shout out Willie, because, yo, he's here. And, yo, I appreciate that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. Like, it's always Facts. interesting to me to see these interviews because mm-hmm. not everybody can have anybody pull up. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I always want people to come every time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, like, like, when Witness came on, like, witness has like 20 something years yo people were there they were remembering shit and i'm like man they did all my work for me <laughs> but like the fact is like there are nights like whatever where willie come through and you just be there and you just be watching it because there's no hockey game happening right now because i'm telling you if there was a hockey game <laughs> he would not be here right now as much facts. as he supports facts. everyone facts um, and i know that uh, i had to stop like, watching hockey yeah, you got yeah, me yeah, too yeah, mad yeah, i can't yeah, do that no more I really just hope Toronto plays that. Edmonton in the finals and then Toronto wins. Like, that know. is my utopia. I'm just sad the Bruins are gone. I guess. I just, just want to create some stigma. I just wish Montreal was good again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. Like, I want to see a Canadian team. Win. Facts. As much as, like, Facts. people have... I, I got no stake in this Toronto-Montreal shit. Toronto been nice to hold it, so I got mm. all love for Toronto. Same here. Facts. Um, and so, every time I meet Torontonians or whatever they're called, they're like, bro, what's up with this hockey done. bullshit? Like, why y'all got to do this shit? And mm. I'm like, I don't do this shit. It's not me. It's them. It's Montreal. <laughs> it's this yeah. Montreal. I, yeah. That's why I don't go to sport events a lot. I'm like, I'm not that kind of Montrealer. So I'm like out. I live <laughs> in the sport events. Like, I have no choice. Mm. Yeah, the, bar, the bar I'm at, like, it's all sports. It's a sports mm. bar. Mm. And hockey's like the biggest thing in Montreal. It's huge. Super huge. We got soccer fans, football fans, basketball fans, but hockey It's a oh, cult. Is yeah. It's a fucking cult. They lose their minds, man. The fights I've seen in my bar over hockey, bro, oh, you'd be sure. like You'd swear that they were being paid why? by the league, like Yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't go to hockey. Night. Well, that's that's kind of this, this kind like, of why I, I put, put up sports with that in music because mm. I understand the passion for music. Okay. So I mean, I'm not gonna act like I haven't been in some moments, but like hockey, I don't get it. So I don't want to mm. be in the moment for hockey. No, I, I like hockey. I, I wanted to play hockey for many years, but we just couldn't afford it. Mm. It's or else I definitely, fact. Or or I like, definitely yeah, would have been bills to just there. get started. In oh, it's more than that. Way more than that, man. Okay, you're talking like a grand. Yeah. Just to, so it's like really like uh. Oh yeah, you get your padding, a you good skates, a good sticks. sticks like two hundred bucks, man. Yo, not yeah, I tripped. Okay, back in my generation, you go to a freaking store, Canadian Tire, play against sports. You're getting a, a decent hockey stick, for twenty seven to fifty bucks. Decent, where I could take a whole bunch of slap shots, and the son of a gun won't break. 
Right, so the cheap steaks break fast. Those don't exist oh, anymore, man. They don't. They really don't exist anymore. Everything's fiberglass and, and special wood and this and this. So your steak's like a hundred bucks minimum. Hundred bucks for a cheap one. And imagine you slap shot the wrong way and you split that thing in two. Facts. That's wild. Like I, I mean, I know like how expensive like the hockey player sticks are, but you don't really think about the parent version of this because that's right? I guess where you're running. Yeah. So this is why I learned because I used to get mad because I wanted to play hockey. I used to live at the rink when I was growing up. Like, when I, I got like gloves. I got stuff from family. They all saved up and helped me get what I needed. He's got the game on. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I used to be really religious about hockey, man. Like big time. You need to be rich to make it in hockey. That's a fact. I, it's I true. And soccer, meanwhile. That's what I played. Soccer it was, was like shin pads. That's it, bro. Got a ball. Yeah, shin pads and a ball. The cleats and shin pads. Theoretically, you don't even need that to play. You just need a ball. Yeah. That's true. I mean, if you want to play. No, like, you need cleats. Well, I, st- I played properly. Yeah, yeah, you can't get in a professional game. Well, well I, played, I played House League for a bit. Uh, I tried out Inner City. Yeah. I got on the team, but I didn't like the the practices surprisingly you don't need shin pads they're crazy they'll let you break your shins people who play in the city are crazy i'll say that practices in soccer are crazy the amount of running they make you do you're like like, yo because i mean i got into running in my like 30s but like up until my 30s the idea of running was miserable so like soccer was i enjoyed it i always enjoyed running (laughs) now it's the other way around now it's like oh my god um that's wild but, yo, I'm just telling you this. Getting kicked in the shins by someone who literally kicks for a living. Mm-hmm. Doesn't <laughs> No, I can imagine that. <laughs> so you went through that whole phase, and then 2017 happens, and then how do you guys reconnect again at that point? Um, so, shit. We were both going through a similar situation. I actually remember it. Yeah. I remember clear as day. So you are working. Yeah. At uh, I was doing landscaping and shit. No, 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 it was before that. When I met you again after, I was doing warehouse work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled up there. Oh shit! I yeah, I pulled up there. I wasn't. I was like going there. No, I was going next door. Mm. It was either the dentist or McDonald. I can't remember what it was. I just know I was like. Oh no, no, I remember what I was doing. I was smoking weed. <laughs> I was smoking weed behind because, like, there's this little, like, pass behind, and we're just like, we're just talking, and, like, I left my friends to go back, and, uh, I see Sean, I'm like, yo, what's up? No, you said, yo, what's up? Like, you recognized me first, you're like, yo, what's up? I turn around, like, yo, shit! This is Sean! You know, like, I turn around, kind of like, who's, you know? And then I see it, and it's Sean. I'm like, what the fuck? It's been like a couple of years now, you know what I mean? Like, fuck. there's like the connection, the first reconnection, and then this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Yeah, that's wrong. And I go up and I see him, and he's like, yo, yo, I have a kid now. 2012. Around 2012. Because yeah. I just had my kid, and you had yeah, just had my kid. kid. Yeah. So he's like, I just had a kid, and I'm like, I just had a kid too. Like, what the fuck? So we're all like talking and talking and chatting up. Mm. And then eventually, you know, like we exchanged. Uh, I forget what it was. I think it was phone numbers. Numbers of Facebook or some shit. Or both, yeah. And then I went yeah. through shit. Yeah. Then <laughs> lost then, that job. Yeah. 
he was going through shit. I I went through some fucked up shit too. My job was literally closed down. Um, and I happened another job afterwards when we were living together. But like, it's just places closing down is fucked up. Um, so we started talking, and we're talking, and we're talking, and we're like talking. We chilled every once in a while. Um, that took like the span of a year though. Like when I think about that, over the span of a year, like we chilled. Every once in a while, we barely saw each other, but we keep in touch. And then it just stopped. Yeah. And then, what was it? Like, out of literally nowhere, uh, when I started living in Ashgrove, so I moved from one spot to another spot to another spot, and I ended up at this other spot. I'm in Ashgrove. And then, that was when we really started chilling each other. I was like, oh, come over. We started, like, chilling each other. I don't know. Like... Before, Before I was always like, like living with like some roommates and some stuff, and it was just like whatever. But when I started living alone, it was like when we got the chance to like really reconnect on like the basis that where we were living with each other before. You know what I mean? Like when you live with somebody and like you went through shit, and then like, like it wasn't by any like choice of like oh I'm not gonna hang out. Like it was literally we both went through fucked up shit. I was in the system. Um, it was crazy how it happened. Up, like, Honestly, it's like literally if you watch the timeline, you see like how we all just like. We yeah, just came I mean, in and out of like, each other's lives. Even, like, if you're living, let's say, the straight and narrowest of lives, the same shit happens. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. up. Every, yeah. Usually what happens is, I met a girl is what happens to a lot of people. <laughs> I met a girl changes <laughs> your life. Um, or you get it. Yo, kids, right? Like, kids change, kids change your life. Here's an example. Like, Justice McFly started making real money. He mm-hmm. had a day job that I know because, like, I worked with him. So, like... Yeah. Yo, what he does for a living, why would you rap? Is a huge question. Like, you have to ask yourself. And sometimes people just have, like, real priorities that come up, whether it's... Yeah. Or maybe you get an opportunity to go do something completely parallel to, like... Like, look at how David Hodge's career changed from, like, being an artist to going out to indigenous communities and teaching kids to make music. Facts. And the government pays them to do it. Facts. This is, like, you know, sometimes shit goes on so in all directions of life though that shit happens people get brought all over ping pong around sometimes your journey is like that sometimes it's not yeah sure it's crazy yeah it's like how when we finally linked up again it was 2017 right that was the whole flooding flooding so and they looked at him like yo you're going through some shit you need a place to live i need to find a place to live because i can't live down here my parents basement is trashed <laughs> so once again we got a place together yeah so we got a place together and that lasted like that was that was that was, that was when it really started because i remember i started i was kind of still doing my solo shit but I was kind of like getting tired of of certain things, you know. I'm like, let me just get into something else. We get like inspiration, and that's when I started seeing him get back into the whole band thing with the other person that we had. (laughs) And I started. That's when I started managing him. Yeah. And the band. Managing him or the band or both. Both the band. And me. Yeah. Right. So you were just in the band being managed. Yeah. But he was managing the whole band at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. And the band was fucked up. Very talented. It was crazy shit. Like that was one of the, the most music was very like prominent like, like group bands things that I went through. Mm. Just because like 
the things we did in like three months was just like wait, unheard of in Montreal. Back those three months. Pretty, yeah, it's been like, it was about six. What did you do? The places we played were cool, they're all right. Like some yeah, bars like here open, and there, venues, yeah, open mic type things. It was the reactions we got. That Brutopia was and always like, a favorite. Dude, like, we started walking around, and people were like, Oh, you're this and that, yeah, like downtown Montreal, like. It, it's just because we played on Crescent, you know what I mean? Like, you play on Crescent, and you attract the right, you're, you're in front of the right crowd, mm. and you attract them into your music. They talk to their friends about it, and they talk to their friends about it, and they, and they see you on the street. We were pretty decent at the time with, like, um, posting stuff on our, like, Facebooks and stuff, so our pictures mm. were, like... Then you guys were also, like, uh, doing, like, busking stuff downtown. yeah, yeah. That like the main lot. guitarist and I, we would busk everywhere and we do like uh, duo shows mm. where just like him and I would go around everywhere and play all the songs from the band. But, um, hold on, do you think busking is an effective strategy to push your music right now? Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah, fuck so why yeah. Why are rappers yeah. busking? It's hands on. Um, because not many people know that it's legal to do it if you go to the right spot, yeah. Like, let's say I go into the Metro thing. Do I have to censor myself? Um, I don't think you have to censor. Actually, no, I think you do have to censor like, yourself. Because you, you have to register at certain spots. You have to register? Like there's, 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 a, there's a symbol. You'll see a symbol. It's one of them spots, right? And I'm, like, yeah. sitting there going, I don't know that I can really do lose weight. I mean... Snowden, you can. So, I like, mean, there's... It's not like someone's going to be there watching you. Nah, I know, but I'm... But if you want video footage... shit, you know? You don't want to be, like people walking with their kids and that's the thing if you think about the kids because that's, that's the problem right there will be children walking by so, so if you like censor yourself so you're a, so basically <laughs> you just yeah. need to have a clean enough set to perform in front of families exactly. and then you run that yeah. over and over again because yeah. while it might be boring for you to do your set which i don't know i think it might be fun to do it three times in a row still my point is you're always facing a new flood of people exactly always so exactly. you set up a little qr code Exactly, especially in the right metro. Or Yo, like, kill team should go busking this summer. Right, like Bonaventure yeah, or something like that. That's yeah. fun shit. Because if you talk about ROI, you're able to literally... Yeah, that's amazing. It's actually you're, good. You're able to literally make money off of this. Because I've heard that, like, like uh, Jay Uno has told me, right time of day, right places. Yeah, bro, and we have loonies and toonies in Canada, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times people say throwing that next thing you know you're there for three hours and god knows how much you can make especially uh, if you catch enough enough attention and then on top of that it's content because you film the experience for mm -hmm. your side mm -hmm. we should really do this mm -hmm. yeah we should man mm. we get should. monstrosity to film it and get a really cool video yeah there you go willie that's how we get our group tape done we go busking <laughs> mm -hmm. um so you guys do this band, you get crazy reactions, but what you're saying is like it makes a lot of sense because like what people might not know, Crest, okay, so Montreal's downtown basically is, is this long street, St. Catherine is the main strip, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Upon that, there's several like parallel streets that are just hot for XYZ yeah. reason. They're just central bar hubs. So the, when Montreal's party scene is unique is you can pick one of these streets and you're good for the night. The There's night. so many places. The entire and, night. So like Crescent so is one of these dude. streets. There might be across three blocks something like 30, 40 locations for you to visit of which yeah, at least half are clubs and bars. Yeah. yeah. 
Saint Laurent's another one. In case you come through, that's yeah. where it's like grungier. It's a different class. It's a different thing. So like, depending on your vibe, you find the strip that is the one that you like. Yeah. Right. And I know most other people's party scenes are not like that, which is why Montreal is kind of lit with it. <clears throat> so you have these centralized hubs, and so you basically took... Brutopia is a dope bar. Yep. A lot of people go there every single time, yep. and they take bands like you guys went and played. Grumpies. Yep. Crowbar. Crowbar is the shit. Yeah. I liked. I don't know if it's still around, but Crowbar no. was shit. That, that place was the shit. I that place got closed down real quick. I smoked so many joints on that rooftop area. Oh yeah. Yeah. Memories of Crowbar. Just on the streets. You know what we used to do? We do the illegal busking shit all the time. That too. Like, we wouldn't even ask for money. But it's technically still illegal. But it's technically, technically, technically not illegal if you don't ask for money. Right. But because some people would technically come up to us every once in a while and be like, yo, here's 20, here's 20 yeah, bucks. Like, here's 20 dollars, you guys are fucked up. And I mean, like, that shit happened on a regular basis. We'd play on the bus. We'd play um, just, like, walking down the street. Like, my boy would have his guitar, and he's strapped up. He'd just walk down the street, and I'd start singing. You know what I mean? And people would just stop and follow us. Like, they just walk with us. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, that's kind of a vibe. But um, that really brought a lot into perspective because mm. even with all that and all the gratitude we had for it, I'm just going to say this, kids don't do drugs. Right? <laughs> don't, don't do the bad do ones. Drugs. And I mean, like, elevate yourself, but, like, don't degenerate yourself. Mm. Because, like, giving out your energy to another, like, potential entity is poisoning. Yeah. I watched it happen time and time over again and like at the same time it brought me to the path where I'm at right now mm-hmm. but like we're on to some shit with that band like, we're mm-hmm. we're on some shit like that was like pop music we called ourselves Empty Real it was and some good fucking music man videos are still out there too it was lit it was lit we had some crazy songs and uh, it was like that news type shit you know what I mean like, yeah, yeah. that news type music big time like, definitely have that kind of different oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. different bass player like, drum guitarist oh, yeah. everybody yeah. had like these crazy talents and like but I'm just gonna say it like you know straightforward like drugs brought that down drugs brought that down and people not seeing the bigger picture you know uh, which drugs probably has a big part of it's an influence but at the same time you have you make your own decisions dude. yeah you know what I mean like yeah which led to the yeah. the day that I started getting back into making beats again mm. and I started working on a track called Float and this guy comes walking and I think I just just yeah I had just or midway through my verse and he comes in and he starts singing this hook I don't want to. I was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, say it again. And he's doing it. I'm like, yo, that's the hook. Fuck it. You're jumping on this. That was literally started. That's the way it all started. That's how it started. That's a good song, though. Yeah. And like, it just, you walked through the room, heard this being played. That's organic as fuck. Right. And then we recorded it. And it was like the first official track that I. Because I felt like, I felt fucked up that I couldn't get him and the band recorded. And have an actual recorded track to like master, you know. I, mean? I was trying to find a place to do it, and like, I, I was like, 
a lot of the reason I don't have a band is that. <laughs> That's the thing, right? And it's not cheap, bro. No. We found places and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a 450 uh, for a session. You're like, 450? How, how long do we get? Oh, two hours. <clears throat> Excuse you? Two hours? It, Fuck. In all, in all defense of these people, because I know it sounds ludicrous, it's not the guitars, the bass, the vocals. It's just doing drums right. Mm-hmm. Which drums honestly eats up yeah. like two thirds of an album budget. Because, like, Mm. there's like what 18 fucking mics sometimes depending yeah, on yeah, how yeah, many yeah. drums are there Facts. so you gotta think about it that means when you look at that mixing board and you see the like 100 tracks and you look at rappers and you're like okay why do you need that it's not for the rappers it's for fucking Facts. bands and shit Facts. and then a guitar might have two three different inputs depending on setups Pedals. and all this yeah, other shit exactly. so like just to like these guys know how to do all that whereas mm-hmm. Sometimes the rap engineer just know how to mix vocals to a beat and, you know, fuck around with synthesized sound. And it's Facts. no disrespect to these people. It's just a contextual. Definitely easier that... synthesized than it is to actually deal with instruments. So, like, there is an the experience gap okay. that justifies yeah, the price if the people know what they're doing. Yeah. If they don't, it's Man, if someone misses one freaking hit, <laughs> you have to redo the Restart. whole damn song again. I mean, and I, that was the main issue that we were having with the band is it's like eighty-five percent of the band was paying attention, and <laughs> the others just you wasn't. You got your fucking fifteen percenter. Yeah, I say that not plural. Fifteen percenter <laughs> is just like fuck with you right. guys. I'm lit. <laughs> you're like, right. Can why you are you lit now? Like, can't like, you wait till bro, after like... the practice? After the or go to session. do shows and then they screwing up on stage. Yeah, and it's like nah, man. So like I felt I felt indebted like to him to really make something happen, you know. So we did that track, and then another one happened, and another one happened, and another one. Yeah. And now it's where it's at right now. Facts. Yeah, I mean, it's like what six years later now. Yeah. Two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Okay, so you guys start working together, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is the pre-COVID era. Yeah. And this is pre-COVID. You start putting on tracks. To, like, how do you guys like start to transition from that band situation into this? Do you guys start performing? Do you guys? Um, like... we performed the one two time. We got a one opportunity to perform "Float" and uh, another track. Cause at that point we only had like two tracks. Yeah. Right. And uh, we did the show with my sister. Remember that one? That the big afro. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we just started trying to figure out what we were gonna do. We didn't even have a name at that point. Our first show, I Five think, we only got a name officially. It's only like a third or like fourth show. Yeah. Like right before that, so you guys yeah. just started making the music. And how did you guys get put on the flyer? Then was it like hashtag? Those are actual names. Yeah. Flex P and I think I just called myself Hashtag at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Why Hashe? It's actually my biological last name. Your mm-hmm. actual name is Hashe, like spelled like that and everything? Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Jesse is always said the same. My middle name changed um, document-wise, and my last name changed document-wise as well mm-hmm. when I got adopted. But my biological last name is Hashe. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a very big deepness to it, you know? Facts. What's the deepness? I'm trying to like continue on with something that died, apparently died, but I want to keep it living. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because like I believe that there's life and death and death and life. Facts. 
and it's all a big circle. Facts. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, like, I love my parents, the ones that raised me, right? So I don't want to take that away from them. Mm. But at the same time, I want my mom, who, like, birthed me Mm. and, like, went through the pain of laboring me to live on somehow, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just to clarify, your birth mother gave you the name Hashe, and then your parents gave you your name Jesse. Hashe is my biological last name. Oh, last name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fair. And then Jesse is your actual first name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always been my actual first name. So your name is Jesse Hashe. Jesse Hashe. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, you meet people on Facebook and in the rap world, it gets super weird with names. Mm -hmm. So like... Depending on who you are, you're more comfortable with it or not. But yo, I have people. Who it's get true. Ass. But then you can figure out who people are. I'm telling you, like when people call me Flicks, I know exactly from what era they are. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's good? You know, when you hear Roswell, it's like I know exactly where they're from. You know. I feel that mine's just been like my name the whole time. So mm. I do have the okay. So people who call me HSR, like exclusively, they know me because I was HSR until 2017 when I found out that this was a terrible fucking rap name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the Hamilton Bus Company. So when you go to HSR, really, yeah, it is. Yo, shit. So HSR is the ha- is the STM oh, Hamilton, no. and that's like it's got real Google equity, right? Because mm-hmm. Hamilton's so got 500,000 people, so it's bigger than you think. Um, <clears throat> and then I found out like. It can't, there's a beat maker named HSR out there and I'm like oh this name's trash mm. and by then I have my logo and I wanted to really this is when DistroKid got really strict mm. with like releasing covers so I wanted to become HSR 514 to keep the HSR and yeah. they were like no you'd have to change your logo but, but my government name was in my logo so I went with that so I didn't have to change my logo but yeah no don't Google your names beforehand. Double check that yeah. shit. Yeah, like, facts. I've learned that a few times trying to start a couple of companies. I'm like, I always learn, okay, is the idea I have in my head? Let me do the research to make sure it's not an idea already taken. Yeah, no. Otherwise, facts. you get into it. But yeah, but people who, like, call me age, that, that means they know me from, like, I had, like, a run from 2012 to, like, 2014. Mm. And I was out, like, I performed a lot, a lot. And then I stopped. But enough people remember me from then that they just call me HSR. No matter what I say, mm. they can't help with it in post. That's what it is. Yeah. It's just how they know me. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's, that's fair. fair. <laughs> it's a battle I will lose. Fact. You won't find anything with that on, on Spotify. But <laughs> So you guys, you know, running the music thing, you start pushing it. And then, like, I guess COVID hits. <laughs> Fucking COVID. Like, were you guys, yeah, like, doing hit. shit before COVID? Like, was it really starting to become something? Um, We were just kind of, like, getting into the music really, really, like, in a new place at that point. Yeah. We had moved. Yeah. We were, like, it was different. It was different. Then it happened. And it kind of just, like, motivated us more. We had the reverse than what we thought we would have you know you'd think like during code be depressed not wanting to do shit and we just kind of became really bored we <laughs> built a studio uh, we started doing little uh air still uh, nerf gun battles online <laughs> the nerf gun battle college frat house 
basically you know yeah we could have been very big representatives for corona and heineken at that time we so could have (laughs) oh my god man but yeah i like what you said though because i mean for me i feel like COVID motivated the fuck out of me sam instantly i got 10 hours a week back in my life right it also made you get give you a chance to really look at yourself one thing that what people didn't realize is that you got an idea of what it's not exactly like very far from it but kind of what it's like to be incarcerated you know I mean? yeah you're not allowed to go out you had to do this you have to do that you were like me who followed the rules and eight o'clock came and you stayed home right right <laughs> i know so, that not everyone did that right. for sure not had parties and shit and i wasn't invited there's a lot you know i mean a lot of a lot of things went down but it made people really have have time to look at themselves and figure out what are they going to do to pass time. And you saw this whole, like, people going live starting happening. So we kind of jumped into that. We did you know, that. The that Monday night reviews. Where we yeah. drinking and smoking. <laughs> reviewing music. Uh, we got introduced to, like, that lifestyle by a few other people. That's some fun shit. Still. Yeah, and I think that's where we started really growing. And then that time we went across Canada to meet Mercules, you know, like that really made us realize, okay, so we really got something here, you know, like sending in our music to be reviewed by people all over the world from like Ontario oh, and the States. You guys did the whole sending the music grant. Yeah, we went ham on that shit. Like, I think we jumped on like, like seven different, seven to ten different shows from all over. I was like wildly never down to send my music into most of the shows because at mm. that point I've been doing album reviews for so long that like... I just didn't care what reviewers thought yeah. of my music. I was like, I know it sounds so, weird. Like for us, I, it wasn't even about the reviews; just a chance for people to hear the music for themselves. Like you know, they have fan base going. Oh. So like, okay, let's play the song. The guy's bashing your song, but people in the comments are, "No, I actually like that." What's Same your name? Smoking ink, smoking ink, and then that's a good that's a good perspective to have on that shit. I know there's that one dude who I don't know if you want to name that got that traffic <laughs> a whole lot on some flash in the pan shit but like literally everyone else had like six views on their shit and i'm yeah. like i know it sounds in hindsight it kind of sounds arrogant to be like it's a lot of work to, cause you'd have to it sit is a there. lot of work you man. have to sit there on this guy's show and participate because mm-hmm. i'm not just about to come on your your live and send in the music and not participate Facts. in the fucking chat and all that shit and i think at that point i was doing interviews like every fucking day for a minute dynamite doritos what is a dynamite dorito I don't know. This guy's into some weird spicy shit, so I don't know. It's hot. That sounds like good intensity. I'll try that. It's not a pickle flavor, is it? Pickle flavor. Is it? No. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Nah, I was like, dynamite is not pickle. Oh, shit. Sure. <laughs> that is spicier than I would normally eat. It's got that heat, you know? But it's not it's like got that heat, you know? <laughs> we tried to do the hot ones thing during COVID. <laughs> Did you? We tried. We tried. Well. Like like your own, like, hot one style. Oh, yeah. No bueno. I'm already, like, no bueno right now. I don't mind spicy. When spicy tries to kick your backside. Mm. Yo. I always tell people, I don't know how you do it. Because, you know, it's going in your mouth that hot. It's coming out the other side just as hot, right? Yo, my, my brother decided at one point to take on the world. Oh, no. I mean, he ate. I think he's eating any like all the spiciest of the spices like mm. he did it. I, I ghost peppers and shit 
whatever, you, like the weird ones, like mm. Beyond Ghost Peppers, like the fucking strange ones where you, you really said Beyond me, Ghost Pepper, he got me intrigued. I don't really know mm, a lot psycho. about this world of peppers, but my, my dude would pull up these sauces where like... You got like Pepper he X? Would, he would like I find like the most whoever, whoever is grandma mm. who made like the secret super spicy shit with the fucking imported this is and that's. And then he would eat the shit. I don't know if think he enjoyed it. Tears coming down his face and shit. And then later on in the day, you would just hear the oh <laughs> yo for sure. And he did this so much that he dead ass fucked up his stomach and can no longer eat like the same kind of food. So oh, like, no. Was he, he was, like you were talking the most insane shit to prove points on some like I remember. I remember. Now that you're telling me this, I remember this. <laughs> like, but like, you remember when it was like a face? Oh, no. No. I remember a few times. I remember my times. dad made spicy curry one time when I was a kid and my lips burned for like three hours. Yeah, I remember one time we didn't see your brother up. for two, three days because of something he ate. <laughs> you like that sometimes. So you guys made like that kind of content a lot. Did you ever post it? No. I still have it. No, there's a lot of crazy videos that didn't get posted. Um, he had started this thing, uh, Beers and Reps. Beers and Reps. <laughs> which, I, which you could kind of say was like a West Island trailer park voice. <laughs> it, so funny. It, was, it was hilarious. He showed everybody. Oh. We pranked and showed everybody. I remember walking to a Walmart. So I walk into this Walmart. I'm like, yo, can I see your manager? I'm like, why? I'm like, I work here. And I'm like, no, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to show up yesterday, but cracking prostitutes like so No tomorrow. <laughs> straight face. He's straight not face, joking straight face. Like, I worked on this straight face for so long. I'm proud to say that I fucked that shit up. And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah. She actually brings me to the break room and shows me the manager's office in Walmart. And I walk in, I knock on the manager's office door. Everybody in the break room is just looking at me eating their fucking lunch. Like, what the fuck is going on? Me and my boy. And I knock on the manager's door. I walk in, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? I just want to come and apologize for not showing up to work yesterday. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, my name's Jesse. You, you hired me. And he's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, 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 you did. And, like, I'm just, I just want to apologize because, like, I, like, smoked mad crack yesterday. And, like, I started fucking some prostitutes. And, like, that was the end of my day. Like, I don't remember anything else after that. Like, so I didn't come to work. I'm really sorry. Can I still work here? He's <laughs> like, yo. Like, what's your name facts. again? Grabs my full name, puts it in the computer in the system. And he's like, are you sure you didn't apply at another Walmart? I'm like. I don't know, I was wasted on my interview. Like, I really don't remember the interview at all. <laughs> He's just like, you might want to check a different Walmart, man. We don't have you in the books here, like, at all. Like, no interviews, nothing. I'm like, oh, shit, my bad. I'm so sorry. It must have been a different Walmart. I just shook his hand and, like, saw my way out. Then we go grab the, the carts. <laughs> the buggies. Go Walmart. And I had this bottle with vodka in it. It looked like a water bottle, you know, vodka, water, kind of the same. <laughs> I started drinking it. Oh, and man. I'm, just wa I'm falling off the cart. 
Like, I'm literally falling off the car on purpose. I go and I sit down. And there's like these lineups on each side of me. And then there's like a vending machine right in the middle. I sit down in front of the vending machine and I open the door and I start like grabbing Cokes on my one. Just looking at them like this. I'm like, <laughs> he eventually comes out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, bro, I can't get home. <laughs> I'm like, no one hired me. I'm sad and I got drunk. <laughs> he's like, what? I'm like, this water bottle is vodka. <laughs> this guy is just like, at this point, he doesn't know what to do. He's like the manager. And he's like, all right, like, what do you need? No, 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 no. I'm like, bro, I'm here because I wanted my job back and you didn't give it to me. But now I need cat food. And <laughs> this man went and grabbed a cart. Okay. He's like, you stay here. I'll go get your cat food. Which one do you want? He went with a cart, got my cat food, brought it back and walked me to the fucking, the pay yourself machines. And I paid my bill and walked out. Ever since then, I walked in a few times and seen him. He's like, hey, how are you doing? You okay this time? <laughs> wow. Lots of shenanigans. That wasn't even half this of the shit This is just a COVID one, one COVID adventure yeah. for a show idea that you wanted to make. Yeah. We used to walk around with a 2 4, all right, like on our shoulders, like three of us. We each had a 2 4 on our shoulders, and we walk around, and we had like these mics. And about like the whole setup for the ears and the mics and everything, and like one mic just to like ask people questions, and we walk around in people's driveways and be like, "Can we ask you questions about drinking in public?" This isn't a <laughs> suburb. This is the West Island. Okay, I need to remind you, this isn't downtown like those normal vlogs you see where guys downtown Montreal or something like. No, they're walking down the streets of the West Island doing this. And so point clear. Out in front of the SAQ offering people free beers. <laughs> And people would actually take. Yo. Remember that one guy that cracked one open and drank it with you? Yeah, yeah, he chugged, he chugged like two beers with this us. This old guy. Yeah, yeah, he was like loving it. He was loving oh, it. He was sitting down, God. having the time of his life, just answering any question we'd ever ask him. That's incredible. It was amazing. All of that. And, and you just filmed this or you just did this? A lot of it was filmed. Some of it was Some it wasn't filmed because people forgot to hit the record button. Yeah, fair. We were pretty fucking toasted. Yeah, but that's the still... two fours were actually being drank at the same time. Also, oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, effectively, this is just y'all being wasted on oh, some trailer park boys jackass shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> jackass trailer park boys mixture. Fair. And then you decided not to release this content. We want to release it, but other people just other people didn't want to be part of. Didn't it. fall through and shit fell apart. Unfortunately, collectives. This is the hard. thing, you know, finding a collective that's solid. Yeah. That fights through the I'm shit. Not gonna lie, I would be down to do half of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much I want to walk around with two fours, but come mm -hmm. up with the right gimmick, storyline, etc., and I'll talk my way out of anything. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, crazy shit. Oh yeah, like the time we got a ticket filming Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys do? We got to take it for being on the side of the highway. Yeah. It was wow. some crazy shit. You're not supposed to. I guess no. Whatever, man. We had In our defense, the guy's stop. like, there's a sign. Oh, when we get to that shit. <laughs> He's like, there's a sign that says you can't walk there. I'm like, there's no sign. There, there was no sign. It's just open grass. And then highway. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know all the rules. Of course, but... it was illegal what we were doing, but 
Yes, but some trespassing was good for footage. the sake of art is something that <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Like, I don't think most of us get the permits we're required to film in public that, you know, all the shit. Like, nah, just do it. Yeah. Like, worst case scenario, I'll take, like, I filmed at the cemetery, and it literally says in their shit, you can't make commercial products here. And mm. I'll put the green monetization on it. I figure I'll take the cease and desist. There's a song about my dead grandma. I want to wrap it at her grave, you know? Like, yep. what are you going to do? Really come at me for that? Okay. Facts. I'll take it down if need be. <laughs> Sometimes it does happen, though. And if it does, fair enough. Yeah. I'll take it. But I'd rather make the art. Yeah. Facts. You make the art. Facts. Can't get rid of the moment, right? No. And it's, it's what I want. responsibility for it. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. As I get older, I get a little riskier with some of that shit I'd be willing to do good. for the sake of videos. Yeah, some good pickles. <clears throat> But I'm super into this in public shit because, like, to me, like, when everyone talks about how you really market yourself, it's like, just imagine everything you're doing. Only we do a kill team mm. challenge. Mm. You, me, Showbiz, Chris Crow, and we walk up and we just approach strangers and go, whose song do you like the best? And we just put a song against each other. Mm. And then we make motherfuckers listen to our songs back to back to back to back to back, even if it's a minute and a half nice. of each. And then we keep a score of who wins. Mm. And then we just do this over and over and over and over. And then we give out a prize. Mm. Whatever, in the team. Whoever gets the most points gets whatever. Maybe Jesse gets a jar of pickles or something. I don't know. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> but, like... That YouTuber you create shit. that... Because I saw them kids doing it. So mm -hmm. I'm not even going to lie. I stole this idea from the NSL Collective and those the little ones that came through to our show. I stole this idea from them because it's a lit idea. Mm. But, like, what they had was more followers on their Spotify after, more people get exposed to your shit. Facts. Now that I'm hustling concerts, we're constantly hustling this, constantly hustling that. And, like, that kind of in-person content is the future mm -hmm. of music marketing facts you got some real marketing content that like wasn't around before mm -hmm. like, people are coming up with new ideas every day also with the ai world if you out there in public face to face to face yes you can't that you can't replace with a robot facts. so it's like a way to like you just modernize it all anyway facts. i think it's really crazy how you took covid and how to motivate you to do such creative shit even mm -hmm. if the world didn't know you were doing it so that's the thing you know like that's why we pushed so much because like just what we achieved during covid was mind-blowing like i never thought in my life that i'd go across canada during right. covid oh wow and they basically took a road trip yeah we went right across from from montreal right to vancouver you guys interviewed a bunch <laughs> of people on the way too right? yeah like you got, i think organic was on that list yeah i think so uh there was, there was a few there was details uh um, bunch of guys from Naimo. Um, <laughs> Jesse smoking the <laughs> fucking Cheeto. <laughs> I just, it no had bueno. to be done. No it, bueno. it had to be, every time you take a puff, I... <laughs> just let it be. Just let it be. Oh, man. So, yeah, they went around... And then, like, you saw Canada in a different way because you drove Big to Vancouver. Because Montreal to Vancouver, you may not know it, but it's it's a long-ass fucking distance. Yo. I love Ontario, certain parts of Ontario, but, like, Ontario is too fucking big. It's huge. We went from Hamilton because we went from Montreal to Hamilton and we went from Hamilton to start going on this trip. Right. It took us two days to get the fuck out of Ontario. Bro. Ontario is pretty long. 
It's just on road after on road after. The definition of no by now. I've seen the same scenery over and over. Be like, yo, we're finally out of Ontario. Nah, bro. Still another day. What do you mean, still another fucking day? No. No. Yo, it's 830 something kilometers. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. On that one highway. And you know that because the highway markers are the kilometers. And when you hit Quebec, Mm -hmm. it's like 830 something or whatever it is, right? Which means the other side is that many kilometers away. Yep. So if you're doing like 120 an hour, you know, it's a lot of fucking. Bro. That's just a lot of stop driving with no traffic, no nothing. You hit Toronto, I'm sure, traffic. I'll say Saskatchewan is very disorienting. (laughs) How so? That place is fucking flat, dude. It's flat as fucking. Like, they're not talking shit when they say they're flat as fuck. Like, I remember we're driving down the highway and I can see all the way down the highway, like way, way, way down. We're talking like 100 kilometers down. And then I look off into the field and there's a house. It's like way down. It looks this big. <laughs> and I see the people walking and shit. And I realize that that place is 100 kilometers away or more. You can see the people. Yeah. Fair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, salt, uh, salt patches of you or whatever the hell it was that was on the side of the road. Salt deposits and stuff all over the place. Canola oil, canola fields to the kilometer, just yellow for the kilometers. Yeah, you start seeing like well, it's trippy because the clouds come really low because you're actually going up, and then all of a sudden like you're looking off and like oh that's a lot of clouds, and one of the guys who drives like that's not clouds. Like what do you mean? He's like, you'll see in like two hours. <laughs> we start getting closer and I start realizing it's not clouds, it's the Rocky Mountains. Oh, say word. And they stretch. So like if I'm looking this way, panoramic wise, from like the corner here all the way to like the corner there was just mountains. And you see the peaks off in the distance. You're like, what the hell? And then we got there, and we got to the edge, and you're literally like going through it, and you're seeing the size of these mountains. Are like, these feel small, yeah, man. Goes in between and stuff. Like, we stopped there. Like yeah, it really makes you feel small. I'll tell you that. You realize how big this planet is, like, and how grateful to be for the blessings and the things you go through, to be alive, to witness things like that. You know? Yeah. Like, when we went to Lake Louise, this crazy son of a gun. Uh, We'd done an interview, and then this guy decides, oh, I'm going to go jump in Lake Louise, glacier water, freezing water, but it's like, that's a moment and a half. Like, You have to try it at least once. Right? Just a view behind them. I remember taking a picture with the two Corona ball cans. We should be sponsored by Corona ball. (laughs) Yeah, that picture would have sold beer, I'm telling you. You just got to do the right kind of street videos that are legal enough for Corona to sponsor you. Facts. Facts. Because, yeah, I'm telling you, that shit, TikTok fodder, done, edited right. Because, I don't know, like, I know how to organize it. The editing parts where I die. (laughs) Editing is, uh... Well, it took me an hour to put words on my TikTok at the bar. I was sitting there at Eel Orchard Pub working on a TikTok. I think it took me an hour to make a minute and 50 seconds. It's hard, bro. That's why I really big shout to videographers to do all this editing, man, like. I've done it. And I've done interviews. Nobody. The only comment I got was, this was tedious to watch. And I'm like, at least he commented. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, that was a vibe, though. Uh, and then meeting another celebrity, you know, like. Mercules? Yeah. 
he was humble as fuck. He's really chill. Did you guys like watch him perform and shit? Like was it like? Uh, no, this was still COVID, so like everything was shut down. It's an interview. Yeah, he's yeah. been interviewed. Um, that place is something else, man. Yo, bald eagles are huge. Wild <laughs> bald eagles are is it Vancouver? huge. Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Island, which is next to Vancouver, yeah. but a separate thing. Yeah, that's where the uh, the green lady, green party ladies from. I think. I'm not sure. I'm not Canadian politics. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. All I know is that place is very magical. Yeah. Just. So is the ferry. You are getting chased yeah. by security. Say what? The shenanigans on the ferry. They got these huge ferries that bring you from like Vancouver to Victoria, right. Nanaimo and stuff. Um, they actually pull like s like big eighteen wheelers on there and stuff. And just the shenanigans this guy and another person would do. The security started following us around. <laughs> I don't know if I want to fuck with security on a boat. <laughs> funny man, what are you gonna throw us off? Yeah, I don't know. Arrest you when you get off. No, can't really we didn't do, do nothing. Any, we didn't do anything to get arrested for. No, it's like there's like parts you're not supposed to go in the boat, like the front of the boat. And we just like climbed over the ladders and we just like went to the front of the boat. Security's like, "What are you doing?" We're like, "It's my job." And, like we're just saying dumb shit. <laughs> and, like oh, eventually climbed back up and they started like following us everywhere. Like, it was just fucking something else, man. Yeah. But I'll say the landscape out there is something else. It's beautiful. We went cliff jumping. Palm trees in Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Palm trees in West Coast life is different. At the McDonald's, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that shit. I was like, is that really a palm tree? Am I really looking at that right now? Like, the fuck? (laughs) It's a different... It's a different... Like, it feels like... I mean, I haven't been there, but, like, it looks like it's a completely different everything. It's a different world. Then Kelowna. Kelowna is, is something else. It's like Malibu, like desert California vibes. desert. Like it's different. This is all just in BC. Yeah. 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 Kelowna's really different. Facts. There's a lot. Of, Kids yeah. are fucked up out there. I'll like tell you he... that. <laughs> we met a ten-year-old that was drunk. Wasted. Piss wasted. And he thought that we were celebrities and shit. He and all his old friends were all drunk. Yeah, his so we gave him autographs. His, yeah, his parent was right there. Encouraging this shit. Different lifestyles, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Beautiful place, too. But... They're all jumping oh, off these, like, three-meter-high fucking diving boards and shit. Like, mm-hmm. man-built, like, wooden, like, thing in the middle of, like, the sea. Well, not in the mm-hmm. middle of the sea, but, like, right on the shore. Right. So Deep enough good. for you to dive off of. So you're saying we gotta figure out a way to go out and make a trip out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. On the first definitely. Time just fish. the footage alone, if it's planned like a trip that we're just filming for footage wise, like Yeah, we make a documentary. You know, honestly this is somewhere where we can actually get a grant. Mm-hmm. Like I mean for grant for music it's a complicated subject, but if you're gonna create a cultural tourism project mm. All of a sudden, people are on board. People be getting wild grant money for documentaries for way less good ideas. <clears throat> that's true. That's yeah, I'm true. really into the documentary thing. That's I think that's what his face that helped film that thing is doing because I've seen him posting a lot of stuff like that. And he's going to places where I'm like, yo, that takes a lot of money to go there, bro. But it's also yeah. like, 
it's because it's also way easier to plan, right? Yeah. Like you, like I know how to plan a document. I know it sounds weird, but like I have been watching how they make them. I watch a lot of the YouTube shits. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of content I consume is just like, okay, how do you replicate this? And it's really just a combination of interviews, B rolls, and experiential voiceover thought things, or mm-hmm. like now you're in the car and you're having your little moments. So if you plan this all, it's really just planning the budget. Mm-hmm. And I think you can ask for like fifty grand. So. <laughs> and they did it with what 15 i mean it might Plus, be like well yeah we won't get into that but but like all i'm saying is so as still. long as you ask for a realistic <laughs> amount that matches your project's actual projected expenses and it mm-hmm. takes into account shit like the editor and the, the vot yeah, yeah, yeah so as long as Where you're sleeping literally planned right <clears throat> to the detail then you can answer their questions in a way where they get approved. And honestly, from what I understand, Quebec does fuck with English people. They For that stuff, yeah, because it's film and it's video. They're really big into that type of art thing. Cause that's like, what Montreal's about. So, like, for me, it's, like, that kind of shit. And then what's the soundtrack? Your fucking music, baby. Mm. <laughs> Facts, though. You slip in your stuff here and there, you know because, what I mean? Yo, then you're getting them SoCan checks if that shit gets views, and then every yeah. time it's played on YouTube and this, that, then the mechanical royalties and all that. Oh, for sure, especially if you line up a one-two thing, thing where it's like you guys went to go see a show, show yeah. and you're actually performing on that show. Yeah, <laughs> and then, like, that's a fact. You could, like, squeeze in the two, three seconds because you got to be, like, smart about that shit. Exactly. But, then all of a sudden, you're not just a rapper, you're not just an artist, you're a person who contributes to culture, and now you're interesting enough to make art that, like, like I don't even think anything I, I like I, I come up with today would matter if I hadn't gone through this whole interview process. Like, I hear stories like yours all the time now, and it's really, like, put into perspective, A, how much or little I've done in life, right? Like, because you... Yo, I wasted a lot of my life before I got serious. Like, I was my mid twenties before I started to really like take shit seriously. Y'all were like at this from what, what teenagers? For real? Yeah, it's always been my passion to be entertainer. And like a lot of people, even Willie, who's still here, um, has pointed like has been in this since the nineties. Mm-hmm. So it's like seeing all of that level of effort and seeing people who are still passionate about it today that shit motivates me and keeps me focused on my grind because at the end of the day yo like one of the i think the hardest part about like the five to ten year part of being an artist is realizing how many people have done this for 20 years yeah and then how everyone's kind of sort of in the same place i mean yes we're not all in the same we're all kind of sort of in the same place. For me, for me, it was realizing that there's a lot of people who are making six figures a year off of music and we don't know who they are. Yeah, they're not even famous. They're not like what we call super famous, you know? They they found their fan base and this is what they do, whether they perform here and there. They're still making six fucking figures off of music. Whilst doing, whilst doing everything else they love. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people... I don't know if it's like go to the way to gatekeep knowledge, but I think mm. a lot of people tried to share a lot of knowledge to a lot of people who didn't listen, so they stopped trying. Yeah. And they stopped caring, and they don't really like whatever. They're good, and then they start charging. Fair. Like I, I want to be mad, but like what? Like I'm not gonna act like I'm not gonna charge for all the shit I learned. Facts. I just spent like nine hours doing a very rudimentary job on podcast editing. But mm. if you want to do those nine hours, I can do it better than you in the audio. I'm sure you can do it better than me. But I yeah. could, But like, 
I'll sit there three or four hour blush, uh, something like this long. It's going to take five, six hours to edit it. So you want yeah. me to do that? It's not free. No, sure. Time not. is money, time man. Is money. <laughs> and even if it's Especially editing shit, is right? Like, bro, do you know how many people ask me about OBS? Mm. Hundreds. How many? A lot of them followed up. So, I, again, but I had to write. I had to write an article because it took too much. It was like, yo, like, why is this free? Yeah. I googled. You didn't. And that's and I, and I, I had to. I guess I had to get older and broker. Like, really spend money to really appreciate. Oh, it. You start realizing how much you're worth and how much information you have like is why worth. Why am I paying everybody fifty dollars an hour, but I'm not doing nothing that's worth that? Yeah. And then translate. So then you also realize nobody has money. But like, end of the day, it's like, yo, people have to appreciate that the ones who do figure out how to make six figures are probably going to charge for it. Yeah. Because if they know how to do it and they can give you that knowledge or put you in that position, I'm sure 80% of them is full of shit. But for the 20% that are legitimate, like, yo, they're actually worth whatever dollar they're charging yeah. you. It's true. That is true. However... Finding the, the legitimate ones is yeah. Then finding the funds to pay for the legitimate. <laughs> Not for real. Like that's like I don't think people really know. I think a lot of people start music, they get to the part where they can produce the album. I'm like, bro, I'd, I can't afford a music video right now. That's mm -hmm. why I'm not really. Like, You're sure, and that's the key part to staying relevant is having visuals where people still see your face in different ways all the time. Because it's like you have to keep elevating too as you go on. So yep. it's like I did the phase where I could get away with my corny little cell phone shits. COVID's over. <laughs> you know? Right? Like, so now it's like people want to see growth and like, and like people follow growth. I don't think I could get 30 people to pull up in a video shoot right now to make like my shit look good in an alley. So even then, if you do something more cinematic, right, you could just be by yourself. It's just the point of having the money to actually make that happen like we've had crazy freaking ideas for videos and then when i look at the numbers i go where the fuck am i gonna come up with freaking six grand to do this but it'd be such a sick idea and looking at him like fuck it's almost like this you want to rob a bank that six grand isn't where it stops because if you're putting six grand into a video you probably need to put six grand into paid ads and shit exactly and placement because people don't realize that you when you see an artist's video on MTV or BET, they paid for that placement. I just want to add to that. So part of my day job, which I, I rarely, I can't go into details a lot, but what mm. I can say is how the industry works. And I would get emails from every tech website you've ever heard of, like anything you've ever Googled, like a Tom's Guide, all of these people. When you see the reviews on these sites and mm. when you see the articles they write, a fat chunk of that is companies paying like it's just how that shit works yep. and so you got to like think about it <clears throat> people get mad about music payola but like there is no media that has no payola it isn't like yes there's plot like look i lose money to do this because i don't charge people but if i charge people i would be a profitable fucking enterprise no. and i could probably get away with charging people if i really you know because then i could put money into ads and i would yeah. literally just take a chunk of that and boost everything and Facts. oh my god i got fifteen thousand views like, but like to me that's i don't like charging artists in my city at least mm. I, don't, I don't know how i feel about other cities sorry if you're not from montreal <laughs> but like Facts, though, it's time. It's about that time, you know. Especially the more you solidify your name in the city and 
outside the city, it's like your time is money, man. Yeah, and yo, once you start traveling, holy yeah, and it's not cheap to travel. No, no, not at all. Even when you thankfully split it with a lot of people and reduce some of those costs. Right. But like, I can't afford to travel if I'm by myself. If I can't go with somebody right now, there's a zero percent chance I can afford that trip. Mm. And like, that's what we're trying to work for is to like be able to do that, right? Because yeah. that's that's the the most important part is marketing and having content. Once you have those two things, you're gonna blow no matter what. There's people who have shit content whatever they're doing doesn't make sense but because they have the content because they're paying for the marketing their product is growing or they invest the right way that too right because like i'm going to new york in two weeks right and uh we're gonna go film a bunch of episodes of perspectives so in theory if we film enough of this tiktok shit enough of this food eating enough of whatever clocking up views off of the the interviews we get um as long as like four or five figure let's say four figures gets hit we could probably then incentivize companies to start to subsidize shit just because you're going and you're making all this shit in new york so montreal people would be like oh hold on how do i get my reach out there but then new york has the crossover back to montreal so like you just you just have to make it interesting so that's an investment because you're putting time into creating all that content and you know eating food and all this other shit so it doesn't necessarily have to be like through boosted ads it just has to be through creating appealing shit because organic's real mm. like the way what you guys made with that like video where you're eating the mango off the floor <laughs> quality of shit yo if it was just that every day Man, you guys would have so that's the thing. If, that's that's like why I keep telling him, like, yo, once we get <laughs> the funds to do what we want to do, people aren't ready. Like, we're be, it's like two pit bulls on a short leash with like meat just like out of their reach, like dangling. Like the ideas we have are insane. It's just about getting the funding. Once the funding is there, a hundred percent, it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a friggin' problem. Like. We've been working on a lot of stuff, you know, we've got scripts that I've been writing. Like, shit's about to get real once we get to that one point. That's the last thing missing, you know? Yeah, I know it's coming. But, yeah, it's definitely getting a bit later. I think we're past 10 at this point. Nah, we're almost at three hours, but fair enough. This is how it goes. This is why they go long. We just, we just run it. <laughs> Straight up. And, it, and you guys are super interesting. Like, I mean, I feel like you're a mystery. I know 100% the feedback about you is that you're quiet and that nobody knows you're a watcher. And, you know. <clears throat> so people don't know nothing about you until you warm up to them, which could take 15 times. <laughs> and it's that wizard life, you know? Arguably, it takes a minute to get past the I don't give a fuck part of Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a warm, sensitive teddy bear deep down inside. I you a good dude. Like really deep down. Like you're like you're virtuous and shit. Mm. Like on a real tip. Glass is gonna cross. Just like you know, like the ultimate perception of goodness. Allowing someone to actually have fun within those boundaries, if you want to use that for lack of a better term. I believe in that shit, but when it comes to like religion, rules, authority, 
Uh, but to, to be fair, <laughs> if you want to get like really metaphysical on religion, because like I I went through a whole Christian phase, but then like not a religious version, more like uh like I t- I read it literally, mm. not through the lens of what the indoctrination is, and to me it's like mad subjective. Like I believe me and God is cool because God told me to have a personal relationship with Jesus and all that. What does a personal relationship even mean? That means that the, the, and it's supposed to, like, if God told me the difference between right and wrong based on how the Christians put it, and it's a personal relationship, then how is you able to even tell me that my relationship with God is impacted by your ethics or what you believe is right? Thus, like, my moral code is real. I, Yo, I know there are ethical choices I make that people may judge me for. Mm. Fair enough. But my moral code is what it is, and I really do my best to, like, stick to that, even if it doesn't adhere to the legal system or the moral, especially the middle class. The middle class don't like Holden. (laughs) I get along with rich people and poor people, and the middle class people don't know what to do with me. (laughs) They have to follow, though. What? They like to follow where they feel comfortable. They think it's insurance. It's like drugs. Mm. I remember I'd be at work and people would like walk up to me and they would like trigger me. So I'd rant for like eight minutes mm. and then they'd hit like, leave a little comment and walk away. <laughs> that's the best way to describe how it would feel to like be in that. Yo, that's why COVID, I left. I haven't really been to the office even mm. though I was working. So it was like at home. It's the first time in like my adult life where it wasn't like the conformity of being nice and normal and being like, thrust down your throat because you got to eat lunch with these people mm. anyway y'all are mad interesting people your like journey is crazy cool like they should make a movie out of this one day we're working on some stuff still because at the very least the comic book strip can tell a truer story mm. yeah the comic books what's up facts Different price point or whatever, but like, yo, I'd read that the adventures of Hashe and, and you know Roswell superheroes yeah. running through it, retelling <laughs> things. <laughs> um, but I appreciate y'all giving me your time too and like coming uh, through. Like I know whatever we be like, arguably compared to most of my guests, we'd be closer in terms of moving and performing and all this shit. So mm-hmm. it's cool, but still, like I feel like I really know. You. I feel like I know you better now than I did like. You know, three hours ago. Shit, shit, shit. Bless. And, like, your story is so rich. And, like, it makes sense for how y'all are the way that you are and mm-hmm. staying true to yourselves with it. Everything, it, it, it I don't know, it clicks more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that, like, thank y'all for watching it. Uh, sorry, thank y'all for watching this. I forgot you guys are over there. I'm used to having it more like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to this in-person thing. It's, like, my fifth one like this and with... I have to keep changing the angles and shit. Anyway, but thank y'all for watching it. Appreciate those of you stuck around. I see five people still there. I have no idea who came on Facebook, but usually they, they leave faster on Facebook. But shout out whoever may be watching it there. Shout out everyone watching it in the future. You guys are appreciated too. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Mm. Make sure to follow them. They got the Smoking Ink official account. Then there's the Roswell Beats account. Then there's the Hashe Real account. But, like, make sure to go to Smoking Ink on whatever music platform that you have. And Ink is with a K. That's right. Don't put it with a C. It's Ink, you know what I mean? Smoking Ink. Bars are fire. Yo, Nadell, like, go follow them. I think you may really like what they do musically. Like, next level shit to me. And the performance is stellar. Like, this guy's voice live is 
something special. Like not to say you're not good, but like his voice. The well, there's a reason why I made music with him on a voice. Like supported him. Like I've done. Shit. Oh my god, it's different. Like facts. It's different. I like different. Yeah. And um, yeah. So follow them. Do all that cool shit. And then if you want to fuck with us here and support the whole movement of this show more fiscally, patreon.com slash behind that suit. Um, and then whatever, you know, like follow, subscribe, all that shit. Share with your friends. Tell people to watch this. There's like, this is episode 171. So there are 170 more episodes of Bridge the Gap before this. And some surprising names that you, you know, you may be like, how the fuck did that happen? Well, it did. So check it out and all that good shit. Um, I don't know if you have any like last words you want to say to the people. I'm going to say this. Do what you do. When you do it, how you do it. Tell them. But don't ever undermine what you do. That's well said. Mm. It was. Yeah. So appreciate all of you watching. Um, I guess it'll break three hours by the time I close out. Um, we could stretch it for ten seconds because Willie's like, you guys are just about there. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I'm gonna get the raid going. Yo, live long and prosper, everybody. And we really—it was a really cool time. Thanks. Peace. Peace.